This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. First show of a new month and a huge month here on WST. We'll let you know about that in just a couple of minutes. But uh, got a fun show today. Stanley Cup Final beginning on Saturday. Florida Panthers and Vegas Golden Knights. And our boy Gary Lawless, the Vegas Golden Knights insider, will join us in a few minutes from Sin City to uh, talk a little bit about the Vegas Golden Knights path to the final after playing the Winnipeg Jets, as well as the vibe around Sin City heading into the Cup Final. So looking forward to that. Lots going on around the National Hockey League. Bunch of announcements today. We'll touch on that as well as the Jets offseason with Ken Weeb. And we will also check in with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes towards the end of the program with Andrew Collier. Uh, it sounds like we've also got a pair of tickets for the preseason game tomorrow. So stick around at the end of the YouTube show if you want to head to the game. We will spin the wheel of winners and send a uh, WST listener to get on out to uh, IG Field tomorrow. going to be sunny in 32 for the return of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bring it on. Uh, another great day, though, today, and uh, lots to talk about on today's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to have you with us. Shout out to all those podcast listeners that are downloading and listening to us on the audio feed. If you do ever have the opportunity to go to wherever you get your podcasts uh, and uh, give us a five-star rating and a little review, we'd certainly appreciate that. And, of course, check out the YouTube if you haven't before, and for everyone that's with us on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button, and you can always get your uh, audio feed of Winnipeg Sports Talk. <clears throat> Wherever you get your favorite uh, podcast, just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Little Brown Jug, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and of course our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Let's uh, get this show on the road. Welcome to everyone that's with us live on YouTube and welcome Michael Remus to the show. What's going on? Feeling good. I'm ready for uh, this cup final to start, but also uh, nice to have some NHL offseason front office news. Like, you know, everyone's like, why is there so many days in between? They all knew this is the day. If you've got a new coach or a GM you want to announce, do it June 1 in between the conference final and the cup final because uh, well, we had the Predators yesterday, the Leafs scheduled today, and then, oh, here come uh, the Penguins dropping the bomb with Kyle Dubas. And one other thing, I am feeling good, Huss. I'm basking in... You know, I don't think we celebrated hard enough yesterday, the anniversary of the return of the Winnipeg Jets, because, hey, if they didn't come back, I don't know if we would be here right now doing this. And it's that's not, true. It's nice to go and reflect and look back, because I think, like, after a year, the first anniversary was a big milestone. We celebrated. And then, you know, maybe year two or three, is like, okay, do we really need to do this every year? But now that it's been, like, 12 years... Um, you can look back and see some amazing pictures. And shout out to the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to bring this up with Ken. Sorry for hijacking this, but it is June 1 and whatever. Uh, here's this picture the Jets tweeted out of uh, Mark Chipman media scrum. And there's Ken Weeb right there front and center. 
And there's Ed Tate who's coming on tomorrow. And I saw some pictures of me with the legal curve. Uh, it, fun, it was fun to look back. I actually tweeted a report that Reddy did for CBC on the day of the announcement. And what a fun time that was. Reddy back with the CBC. Like, I, I'll, I, I guess I knew that he worked for CBC before. Yeah, he was on. He was like a news guy. News guy, Sean Reynolds. Now, now host. That of was Kenny. Sean Reynolds' news guy. Now it's Rennie from the <laughs> Kenny and Rennie Show. One of his many, many aliases and personalities. The best thing about this photo: there's Sean Churchill, Eddie Tate at the back. But I believe this would have been a Winnipeg Sun tag team of Ken Weeb, who will join us a little later on, and Paul Friesen. And both of those dudes are rocking some of the most majestic hair for the era. Ken has a lot. Ken's now just basically tapped out, and he goes to the dome. Um, but Freezer, man, Fre Freezer still has a great lid. He on does. Him. Yeah. But um, it was uh, it, it, it's a showstopper right there as uh, we look back to uh, that you know, memorable moment. With with no Jets news, like I'm down to just start like re like doing a Twitter account that's just like reliving. The drive to thirteen thousand. Uh, I don't. Where are we gonna need help? We need thirteen thousand tickets, guys. We're almost. We're almost there. And funny, but I do remember when they went on sale. Jerry Seinfeld tickets went on sale the same day, and I was able to get row one for Jerry Seinfeld because everyone was getting Jets tickets. <laughs> and funny enough, that uh, Jerry Seinfeld is actually coming coming back, and those tickets are on sale. I think tomorrow or pre-sale was yesterday. So, uh, full circle. There we go. No doubt. Well, it would be nice to, I know they're working hard behind the scenes trying to uh, get that season ticket number back up to 13,000. Uh, but of course, June is a huge month um, for the hockey club and for the entire National Hockey League. And to kick off June, we've got a big announcement um, that I think is going to make a lot of you uh, folks, our regulars, real happy. We are uh, very excited. Considering just how important this period is for the Winnipeg Jets, God knows we've talked enough about it. There are high expectations that significant changes and moves could very well be made. Um, there's only one place to do that, and that, of course, is the NHL draft. And with the help of our great partners at CoolBet, Remus and I are going to be live from Nashville all week at the NHL draft beginning on Monday what is that, Monday, June the 26th, Remo, or the 25th of it? Um, e, the 26th, yeah. The, the 26th. The, the draft day itself is the 28th and the 29th. But we're going to head out there on the weekend and begin broadcasting on Monday from Nashville with the latest, focusing on the Winnipeg Jets, but everything happening around the league um, at, draft, at the draft. And, and, you know, obviously from previous eras and incarnations of, uh, of shows that I have been doing. We've been at the draft before, before we'd done live coverage back on 1290 during the actual draft. Um, we'll certainly be cranking out additional content throughout the week on top of our regular show, uh, but really fired up to make this happen. Cannot wait to get and it, it. In a lot of ways, it's sort of the annual convention of the hockey world. Um, so I think it'll be great for us long-term, connecting with the number of people that do come on our show regularly, meeting some new people. But the bottom line is having boots on the ground with 
the potential of some pretty significant moves happening with the Winnipeg Jets. So first off, a huge thanks to Pat Jake and the Cool Bet team for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk really since day one, but especially stepping up and making this possible. And uh, remember, as they say, June 1 right now, I've been looking forward to kind of officially announcing this, and uh, I cannot wait to get down to Music City for what should be a really fun week. And uh, I think hopefully a pretty momentous week for uh, the hockey club that we cover closely. Yeah, we're expecting a lot of moves to happen. You know, the Jets do have one first-round pick right now. I wonder if it'll stay or will they add more to that. A lot of speculation is going to be happening on this show from now until then. So I have I was at the draft in 2011 where Mark Shifley was drafted, the first one. Um, I was pretty young. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into and I'm looking forward to returning and we're going to be prepared to start to put out a lot of content from there. Wheels are in motion so this should be uh, a fun experience and I'm also you know kind of nervous or excited about sharing a hotel room with you Hess. We'll see how that goes. Oh yeah yeah just uh, I just told them one queen it's all we need. <laughs> um, no <laughs> uh, it'll be fun and I do know that I think Hammer's going to be down there. Um, Ken's going to be down there. So, I, I mean, everyone that covers the Winnipeg Jets, I think, you know, and the National Hockey League in general would like to be there. But this this week, far more than last year, for sure, and some of the others, I think that the, uh, I mean, listen, the entire league, I think, is looking at what Winnipeg in particular, amongst a few other teams, do. Um, and we'll see whether we have any action before we get to Nashville or whether any moves that happen are right around there. Bottom line is we'll be there. Presumably we'll be able to get a chance to at some point get availability with Kevin Chevalier off before or after the picks are made. Um, and who knows where and when the Winnipeg Jets will be picking. They've got their one pick right now, but I think as you certainly as you hear plenty of trade speculation around the Winnipeg Jets, not out of the realm of possibility to uh, maybe make another selection what is expected to be as deep of a draft since 2015, um, which was one of the best that the NHL has ever seen. So uh, shout out to the Cool Bet guys. And uh, mark it down, folks. WST at the NHL draft presented by Cool Bet gets going on the 26th of June before the picks will be made. First round, the 28th, the remainder of the draft on the 29th. Speaking of those uh, NHL moves today, Remo, you sort of laid it out when we got going, but uh, it's been a very busy morning in the National Hockey League. Uh, speaking of Nashville, Andrew Burnett was named the head coach of the Nashville Predators, as was sort of announced earlier this week. But what was very interesting was Brad Treleving was scheduled to be officially introduced as the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And about 20 minutes before that, the Pittsburgh Penguins announced that Kyle Dubas had joined the Penguins as their president of hockey operations. Yeah, like I'm I'm not totally surprised that he was named. We kind of saw this one coming. He seems like the kind of guy they would like. They also own, you know, own the Red Sox. So they would have, you know, they have uh, Chaim Bloom as their GM. You know, they've gone with the analytical types and... Uh, Kyle Dubas going there, it seemed like a natural fit. Uh, but also, you know, seeing that he was the president of hockey operations and not the GM was certainly interesting because we had heard that, you know, he had a bit of a struggle there with him and Brendan Shanahan. It seems like he went to Pittsburgh to take 
Shanahan's job, and now he's going to have to hire. He said he's going to be the interim GM, but they're going to hire a progressive general manager uh, that he can collaborate with. So an interesting situation there going on in Pittsburgh. By the way, do we have that clip? A lot has changed over the course of two weeks. Yeah, two weeks on. and three days to be uh, to be exact. Who's counting? Because I'm pretty sure two weeks ago on the Monday, Kyle Dubas, against the advice of Brendan Shanahan, met the media in a press conference that in a lot of ways led to his removal or end of his tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, hey, listen, things change. But it's pretty clear when you listen to this clip that a lot has changed for a guy that is, as we speak now, the president of hockey ops for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What I would say is that I'm, I'm not going to, I definitely don't have it in me to go anywhere else. So it'll either be here or it'll be taking time to recalibrate, reflect on the seasons here. But you won't see me next week pop up elsewhere. I don't, I can't put them through that after this year. Technically, that was true. He said, next week, you won't see me pop up somewhere else. It was, in fact, two weeks later, Reem, that he has popped up. And now he's going to be running what will be a significant rebuild of this Pittsburgh Penguins franchise with their generational stars in Crosby, in Malkin, in Latang, signed, but very close to the end of their respective Hall of Fame careers. Yeah, I was ready to come on and call him a liar after we aired this clip. I was ready, but you just nailed it. It was two weeks. It wasn't wasn't the next week where we're seeing him somewhere else. So uh, I think it's pretty clear what's been reported about you know a power struggle. Um, I think it's safe to say that's accurate. And uh, look, he gets the title of president. He probably gets the salary uh, that he came back with them. And now he gets the chance to remake the Pittsburgh Penguins how he wants to. They do have Sidney Crosby under contract two more years. Malkin's got three. Gensel's got one more, and then he's a UFA. Uh, so there are some players there that they can build around, but this is kind of the last hurrah for these guys, and they didn't make the playoffs this year. Are they going to try to go hard and try to run it back again? I'm kind of curious what happens here. They did sign Latang. Man, Latang got some. He's thirty six. He got some crazy deal last year, um, and he's you know productive when healthy. But he's under contract for one, two, three, four, five more years. Thirty six. It's gonna take uh, him to forty one. Yeah, that's and so we'll see what happens. They don't have what their one goalie under contract, Casey to Smith at one point eight million. But I think goalie is an area of concern for them. Tristan Jari's a UFA. I'm curious how he's gonna how he's gonna do this, and also now that I saw Jason Spezza trending on Twitter today, Hus, because he was the one who immediately who resigned after Dubas was or they decided not to renew his contract, and uh, a lot of speculation that he is gonna go there. So um, you know, a lot of a lot going on in the NHL front office, and oh yeah, then Brad Schleving right after that was announced, he was introduced as GM. Uh, what a day for uh, press conferences. Yeah, I, I'm sure the Toronto shows are having a field day right now with everything going on. Um, just as far as Pittsburgh goes for a minute, it is, listen, this is a great opportunity, and Dubas is still a very young man. He's got plenty of time ahead of him. Uh, but he's also got a huge, 
huge job ahead of him. I mean, look at this roster right now. And you just mentioned the commitment to Chris Letang, taking him to 41 years old with five more years on his deal. Sid's 35. He's got two more. And listen, Sidney Crosby's going to play as long as he wants in Pittsburgh. Evgeny Malkin, three more years at 6.1. That's going to take him to 39 years old. You've got Jeff Carter with one more year. He's 38 years old. And then, I mean, other guys just of their forward group from last year that are on the other side of 30, Ricard Raquel, Michael Granlund, Brian Rust. These players are all signed for next year and potentially more. I mean, Rust is signed until he's 36. Raquel is signed until he's 35 years old. So Dubas, Dubas and whoever he hires as his GM are going to have a major, major challenge as you get to the end of what has been, you know, I don't want to say maybe borderline dynastic. I mean, the, the, the two decades of Crosby coming out of Mario Lemieux will be thought of as, you know, an incredibly successful era. But with that success comes commitment to older players. And I got to tell you right now, I mean, they are going to need to draft very well. On a positive note, at least they finally have their first round pick, which they haven't had many of over the course of the last number of years. They've got a third rounder and then a fifth rounder, but they do have their first round picks in these next couple of years. And at what point do I mean, we all remember what happened early on in the Dubas Shanahan, the Shanna plan? They were terrible. They got Austin Matthews as the number one overall pick. I'm not sure you can do that with the players that the Pittsburgh Penguins have right now. But as we saw, it wasn't even good enough to make the playoffs last year. So what this team looks like in the short and long term will be fascinating. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think Dubas was a great general manager. There's also a lot of people that think he's incredibly overrated, that they didn't really achieve any anything. And he wasn't particularly good in contract negotiations. So I have to tell you, I know a lot of this, the light on Dubas is because of, you know, his age and his background with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But just Pittsburgh as one of the top teams in the league for a long, long time, uh, that time has really passed. And what a what an intriguing challenge for Dubas now that he's the uh, guy running the show for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, you know, some shades of the Blackhawks, but not as bad. Like the Blackhawks are coming out of their cup era, you know, with Taves probably moving on. Patrick Kane, he's a free agent, and they won three cups. Pittsburgh also won three cups. They went to, uh, they lost to another in the final to Detroit in 09. And um, I wonder if they try to hang on here and try to make a run and like try to acquire some players via trade or uh, free agents. We know there's not many quality free agents out there. So I'm curious what they're going to do. And I do think Kyle Dubas, you know, maybe they didn't have playoff success, but you can't deny uh, the regular season success that they had for in the last, uh, last four seasons. Oh yeah, no, but I mean, he took over a team that had 105 points. I mean, like that, that was the other thing. I mean, you know, they had already, and he was an assistant when, you know, when they got Matthews, but, um, you know, for all the regular season success that he had, um, you know, for the most part, the results are measured. You got to get to the playoffs and then it's what you do in the playoffs. And the irony is they finally got over that hump and finally won a series. The next thing you know, they're down three, nothing to Florida. They're bounced out of the playoffs. And the next thing you know, Brad Treleving's the GM of the Leafs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to blame Kyle Dubas for what Nazem Kadri getting suspended or them blowing a, 
3-1 lead to Montreal. Uh, I know it's the playoffs. It, I think we've seen it's a bit random. Stuff happens, and I think sustained success in the regular season um, speaks for itself, and that's why Pittsburgh uh, wanted to get him. And I, I'm intrigued at how uh, Kyle Dubas Part 2 goes here in Pittsburgh. Well, and, and, you know, on the other side of that, I mean, you know, he's sort of got the clean slate, and, you know, it's pretty clear that they've got some major changes to make over the next number of years. And You, know, you don't want to waste those final years of, you know, Crosby and Malkin and, you know, and Latang, but they obviously need more. The Leafs situation, though, Remo, is, I mean, so intriguing in that Brad Treleving, an experienced general manager, guy that's been in the league, uh, he comes in to work under Brendan Shanahan. But listen, when you listen to what people are saying out of Southern Ontario, when it comes to the Leafs, I think it's pretty clear that this, this could be the final general manager hired by Brendan Shanahan. And as much as Brad Treleving is going to be the GM, the guy with all the pressure on him to continue moving this forward and to make this team better than they were under Kyle Dubas was the guy that let Kyle Dubas walk the guy that gave him his opportunity, and that, of course, is Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, it's such a weird situation where, you know, it seemed like midway, according to reports you know, by Elliot Friedman and other insiders, that they were fine bringing Kyle Dubas back. They had a successful season. They won a round. And then Kyle Dubas does that press conference where he seems unsure. You know, this is what, according to Shanahan, and then what he, he said that Dubas, after they had thought they had agreed to an offer, he came back at the last or the last minute with an even higher uh, compensation package. And then he's like, well, uh, okay, I think this relationship is over. Um, so I, you know, just the, you know, the speed of which, you know, you're like, okay, we're bringing this guy back to, oh no, we're going to fire him and go in a completely new direction and kind of, you know, put the, what the organization on its head here. Uh, very interesting. And I thought the Jets were going to be the most intriguing with their, what, core four on the athletic <laughs> list. But the talk today is now about the Leafs 4-4. And do you trade one of those guys, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Marner? And, oh, yeah, Matthews eligible for a contract extension July 1. Uh, he says that's going to be a priority. And who's and who's the other one? Um, uh, William Nylander. He's going to need a new – he's eligible for an extension July 1. And I found it interesting, you know, just going back to the press conference here, uh, where Trilliving says, oh, yeah, we're going to make it a priority to re-sign Matthews. Didn't really hear that about like, – but like Pierre-Luc Dubois being a priority for the Jets uh, to re- to re-sign him, so. Um, well, I, I mean, listen. I think we all know what the well, situation we all, we is. All, yeah, the, we all know what the situation is. What but, are you supposed to What are you supposed to say? I mean, they're going to talk to those guys. But Connor Hellebuck is the guy. I mean, that's he, true. It could have been Hellebuck. Maintain he's the franchise player, and you know they're going to go down that road. I'm sure they're going down that road right now. And at some point over the course of this month of June, heading right into our week in Nashville, um, you know, there's going to have to be some clarity as to, you know, was Connor Hellebuck going to be the guy for the Winnipeg Jets moving forward? Or will they cash in that asset for some other pieces to try to move this thing along? Although I don't know that there's really any way you can argue that a trade of Connor Hellebuck doesn't mean a step back, at least in the short term. Um, what that means long-term for the club up in the air. But you also need to figure out whether he wants to stay and is, you know, willing to sign an extension right now. 
So yeah, I mean, far as the Jets go, that the, the Jets situation is not any clearer than it was a week or two ago as things have been somewhat quiet. Uh, but that will change one way or the other uh, as we get through these next couple of weeks. Speaking of Nashville, uh, Andrew Burnett was introduced uh, as the uh, Preds head coach today. And, you know, it was interesting what he had to say, Remo, but to be honest, I was even more interested with what Barry Trotz had to say about the way he's approaching his new gig as general manager, especially as it pertains to the draft. Yeah, well, I'll go with Andrew Brunette first. We know he was the coach in Florida, and he was introduced and said, I want the Preds to dominate the puck. I want to have it as much as, as we can have it. I don't want to defend. I want the puck back. And it sounds like Nashville you know, wants to be more up-tempo team and not really known for that has the last couple seasons, especially so long under Barry Trotz. They've been strong defensively with not a lot of star players. And you know, speaking of star players, Barry Trotz, was spoke yesterday, uh, Alex Doherty tweeting this out. Barry Trotz said he told some scouts to, quote, take some swings, take some high-end swings on some guys, then adds, I can find you third-line, fourth-line guys, no problem. Goes get me some guys that get people out of their seats. And Barry Trotz recognizing the game uh, changing, wants to get some star players, and confident in his abilities to you know, find players to play uh, the depth and you need the high-end talent uh, that we're seeing, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals here with uh, what Matthew Kachuk, Jack Eichel. Uh, you do need, need those stars to uh, drive play. No, there's no doubt about that. And uh, that's an interesting way of looking. I'm not sure whether I would have thought that that would have been Barry's MO, but he does make a good point. I mean, from a general manager and obviously when he was a coach, I mean, you can turn those players into, in the bottom of the lineup, into, you know, effective players, you know, based on the system that you're playing. You can't turn those guys into, you know, top end stars in the league. And I mean, I can tell you right now, I mean, it's one of the most fun exercises to do is going and redrafting draft classes five or six years after the fact until what you've seen these teams turned out to be. Um, and there's always guys that got 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 away. I mean, I think a Tage Thompson drafted at the end of that round with all that size. I mean, Logan Stanley was picked before Tage Thompson in that pick. And if you redrafted that draft right now, as good as it was, Austin Matthews, Matthew Kachuk would be your top two selections as well. Patrick Laine and Pierre-Luc Dubois both had amazing careers so far and have both done a lot in the league. Uh, but I'm not sure they're in the top three. It's probably Tage Thompson was at the bottom of that. So... Um, you do need to take some swings, and that sounds like what the uh, the Nashville Predators are going to be doing. Um, all right, we're going to head down to Vegas. We will talk some hockey. We'll get more of the off-season situation, focus on the Jets with Ken Weeb coming up. But Gary's going to join us in just a minute. Um, before we do that, I've got to give a, a big shout-out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg. And growing all the time, just had that big grand opening at the new Plessy location last weekend. So uh, fully operational with eight locations, somewhere convenient for you. You can make an appointment to book your look at modernmanbarber.com for a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can also find out more about Modern Man Barber Shop and give them a follow on Instagram at modern man barber shops uh man we got 30 degrees all through the next week it's going to be amazing gorgeous for the game tomorrow night 
but summer basically is here. So why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And a whole home renovation start with AquaTech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. All right, gang, campers, boaters, cabin goers, golfers, have you got your batteries ready? Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are ready for summer. Gone are the days where you were calling Donnie for a delivery of a car or a truck battery because your vehicle wouldn't start. No, no, no. Now is the good time. You're getting ready for that Sea-Doo, that boat, that golf cart for the campsite on the weekend, and everything else you need to dominate summer and get the most of our always too short summer months. Manitoba Battery still extending their 10th birthday celebrations with great deals and the best prices in town. Bottom line is you're going to save big money over the big box stores. You'll get the best service in town shopping local and any purchase over $60. They will deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. It's a no-brainer. If you need batteries, get the best price in town and let Manitoba Battery bring it to you. Pop by and see them. If you're around on Logan Avenue, 1026, or check them out at manitobabattery.com. And tomorrow night, the wait is over, folks. We're back at IG Field. It's going to be a heater. It's the Bombers and the Riders in preseason action. I'm not sure what to expect from the game, but I know what I can guarantee is that there'll be a lot of Canadian club coming out of that rum hut in North End area, and people will be enjoying the new pre-minx Canadian Club and Ginger Ale Cocktail. Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, is your official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Pick it up tomorrow when you get to the game. And uh, if you are not at the game, get the great taste of Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Available at your local beer vendors as well. All right, Ken Weeb coming up a little later on. Your chance to win tickets as well to tomorrow's preseason game. But right now, let's get ready for the cup final and welcome in our old friend Gary Lawless on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's up? What's the buzz like around uh, Sin City before the series gets going? It's starting to heat up. It's, uh, you know, I heard the rumor yesterday about who's going to play the concert in Toshiba Plaza before game one. And it's, uh, you know, it's high end. It's going to be fantastic. So uh, two pretty good teams, I think. And, uh, it was, it was, uh, Shane Knighty and I are going to do a podcast later today looking back on 2018 and it's funny like I, I was doing the color of the radio game six in Dallas and right after the game ended uh, Dan Duva our, our radio play-by-play guy he asked me for my first kind of thoughts and first thing that came to mind was 2017-18 was magical this is methodical like they, like it, it was almost ever since that loss, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee have been have been on a mission to get to this point, and they, they, like they got close a couple other times, but they've constantly added layers. So if you like, the, they added Stone, then they added Petrangelo, then they added Eichel, and other guys along the way, Nick Nick Wall, Alec Martinez, Chandler Stevenson, 
all important guys, but the, like those big tent pole pieces, Stone, Petrangelo, Eichel, and then now Bruce Cassidy. And it's uh, this is a way better team. I shouldn't say way better. This is a better team, a better Golden Knights team than the one that went to the Cup in 17-18. In and, you know, very apparent. That became real apparent against Washington that they were a lot more talented. For Vegas to win that series, a lot was going to have to go right. Vegas doesn't go into this series undermanned. And uh, if they play the way they did in game six versus Dallas, like if they can replicate that game four times against Florida. You might be bringing the cup to Matlock. At some point this summer, is that the uh... White Wall? I'm not. I'm not in the high end neighborhood of White Wall. Uh, excuse me. We're in. Uh, we're we're. Although we have we have sidewalks in White Wall, they don't in Matlock. I will tell you that. Um, it, you know that the last round was interesting. I mean, you know, you you, you win the overtime games early on, and uh, and that always seems to be. I mean. The, the margin between winning and losing is so thin when it comes to this level of play with teams like this that when you get one, never mind two early on, you really are in control. Um, I thought the performance in game six was, it, it basically felt like a team that said, I can't believe we're even having to play this game. Let's go and make this happen right away. <laughs> I mean, looking back, I mean, how did you see the series? Because they were, frankly, in control pretty much the entire series, although Dallas did have a big pushback to, to stay alive and at least get it back home for a game six. Yeah. You know, this, the Golden Knights are a weird team in that they're a little stubborn. They will try and win in a in a in other ways. And then eventually, you know, like Bruce Cassie said two things to them before game six. We're, we have to play harder. And, and then he said, okay, let's get serious. That was kind of his comment. Let's get serious. And that, that game that they, you know, they did that against Winnipeg in game five where they came out and it was absolute domination and they did it to they did it to the oilers in game six marshall so has the hat trick in the second period and and like leon dreisaitl didn't get a sniff in game five or game six the only guy who had anything really going on was Connor mcdavid and let's face it you just you can't shut him down completely but they minimalized him enough that they were able to win that series and then they just they, they they brought that game out for Game Six against Dallas, and Shane and I were talking about it yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure that that game is in the top five Vegas Golden Knights Vegas Golden Knights games of all time. I know it's only six years, but that's as good a game as we've ever seen them play. It was. But Dallas is a good team. Dallas has got some really good players. They they just took them completely out of it. Hey, uh, you know, goaltending was such a been a, such a big story on the other side with uh, Bobrovsky just playing out of his mind. Uh, well, really, since he came in in the Boston series in Game Five, but Aiden Hill's been a heck of a story himself. Um, what did you see from him during the season? I mean, he was at times behind Logan Thompson. Then LB was playing at the end. I'm not sure whether he's over delivering or this is just another guy that was in a very crowded and competitive room that's getting his opportunity and he is certainly making the most of it right now by the way ufa at the end of the year great timing for that as well yeah well before he got hurt he went on a stretch 
where like, he won like six of eight and 940 save percentage. Now, the game he got hurt, he stopped 40 of 42 against the Panthers. Vegas lost in overtime, I think, uh, or, or maybe late. I don't know. I forget. But and then, and then he got hurt, finished the game, but was not available after that. So he had won the job then. He was the guy. We had a said to us, you know, said to the organization in March, who's going to be the goalie on opening night of the playoffs? The answer would have been Aiden Hill. Uh, Logan Thompson had a really good year. He was banged up at that point. We didn't know what was going to happen with him. Rousseau was about to um, assert himself, and he was fantastic until until he got hurt. But so Hill kind of uh, that that injury was bad timing for him because it coincided with the return of Brassois. and then he and then Lauren was really good, and but then when he got hurt, Hill in and uh, and they haven't looked back since. He's been. Uh, He's been tremendous, and he was better than Ottinger for sure. He was better than than Skinner, uh, and then he didn't play against uh, against Hellebuck. Brassois was better than Hellebuck. Yeah, well, it was. Uh, I'll say this: he certainly has a team, and I mean that is what Vegas is right now. I mean, like, like they don't, they haven't been relying on goalies to steal games as good as their goaltenders have been. Keep you in games, certainly, like winning in overtime. I mean. You're not winning those games without goaltending, but this keeps me coming back to just the way this Golden Knights team has been built and has grown. I mean, this is a team that, listen, we saw it in round one. Who's Cassidy throwing out to start games? His fourth line right now. And I guess it's a perfect segue into some of the Manitobans on this team right now, Gary. And, you know, I've been a huge fan of Zach Whitecloud. Mark Stone's sort of in a category of his own. He's the captain of this club, but... I mean, look at that goal from Keegan Colasar. I mean, the performances that he's been bringing. And, I mean, Brett Howden, um, this is the guy I think that, you know, we thought that might be able to contribute, you know, when he was a first-rounder. Took him a little while to find a spot that was right for him. But, um, I mean, he looked great in the Winnipeg series and has continued to be an impact, uh, an impactful player. Um, that Those Manitoba fingerprints are all over this team. Yeah, I will say this about the Manitoba guys. They're all like they're all elite in character and personality first. Like when McCrimmon traded for Brett Howden, like no one really knew what Brett was going to be at that time. He, you know, two organizations had passed on him by that time. And uh, Kelly's co- comment to, again to Shane and myself was, uh, "I'm betting on the person." Like he believed in Brett Howden. As a person, uh, you know, it was it wasn't a big cost to, to get the player, uh, but Kelly just thought, you know, if you if you can bring in a high quality person like that and give him a chance, uh, willing to do that, and and Brett has worked through a lot of adversity. Uh, the guy can really skate, and he's big. He is absolutely beloved in the dressing room. Might be the most popular player in the Golden Knights dressing room. He's got a smile on his face all the time. Uh, guys love him. At one point in time this season, Bruce Cassidy was working him and Amadio over on the bench one night, and one of the veterans turned around and said, hey, lay off. Leave him alone. And Bruce kind of told us this later, and he said, he goes, you know, the, the, 
I don't know if the players realize this, but them turning around and protecting the younger guys like that was, to me, a great sign of what this team could be. They were defending their puppies. And, uh, and you know, both those guys, Amadio's had a big impact, and so has Howden. So just to get just a little aside about what this team is like, Stone is the captain. He's Eichel is the, the you know the most talented guy here, but Mark Stone is the best player, the most most impactful player when you factor in the dressing room, the leadership, and the guy can still play, right? You know, and he's obviously he's playing hurt. He's had two back surgeries in the last, in under under in under twelve months, and that you know that takes something away from everybody. But he's almost a point point of game guy in the playoffs, and uh, you know he's still using that long stick and disruptive. Dave Gosher, our play by play guy, TV play by play guy, he describes him. He says he's the hockey version of Larry Bird. Can't jump, you know, can't run, bad back, and then at the end of the night, you look up and he's got thirty, uh, and, uh, and he's getting on the plane, opening a. Bud Light, relaxing after having went one another game. Well, Mark Stone is kind of like that. Can't skate, can't shoot, can't, you know, and then the end of the night, oh, he's got a goal and two assists, four takeaways, and uh, you know, good player. Uh, Seems to win a lot. Been, yeah, Kolasar has filled a big role here. You know, he he, he fights when he has to, and uh, like, I still think that there's more to uncover there as a player. He, the guy can skate. You saw that in the his goal against against Dallas, you know, he makes a great pass to Carrier. that goes to the middle, great speed, power, finish. And Zach Whitecloud, uh, along with Nick Higg, like we, we've watched, they got, you know, Higg was drafted in the second round of the first draft, and uh, and they signed Whitecloud um, out of Bemidji State as a college free agent at near the end of season one. Those two went to Chicago, played as a pair there, came came to came to uh, to Vegas at the same time, played as a pair, and then you know that, that that's quote unquote the third pairing for the Golden Knights. They've been really good, and against Dallas, there were times where they were maybe the best pairing on the ice for for Vegas. Hey, you mentioned Bruce Cassidy and uh, you know that little story about Howden. Um, listen, you've worked with some great coaches very closely since you've been in Vegas. What have you learned about Cassidy this year um, in uh, in his time with Vegas, and and how much credit or how much are his fingerprints over what this team has become four games away from a championship? Well, he you know he's got a system, and it's a really good system. It, it takes a lot of the pressure off the goalie. Bruce has a system that is really good, makes it easy on the goaltenders. He holds players accountable. Like Jack Eichel was asked a little while ago about his defensive play, and he said, well, you don't have a choice here. He said, Bruce made that really clear early on. Um, if you don't play the way he want, wants you to play, you don't play. And it's it's black and white. It, it, do the things you're supposed to do. Get ice time. Don't do those things. Sit on the bench. It's you know, and it's Bruce doesn't you know he doesn't pound his chest about it. He just goes out and does it. Uh, he's made great adjustments 
you know, in-game adjustments. Uh, he's Kelly McCrimmon has, you know, afforded him the luxury of pretty good depth. You know, uh, they've got 50 goals in the press box right now. 50 goals from this season are, are in the press box right now. And uh, and then on, on the blue line, uh, Ben Hutton is the seventh D. He's in the press box, and he's certainly an NHL player. And Bruce has, you know, like it, against Edmonton, he thought, uh, we need a little more checking. In goes Bluger. Uh, and then kept Bluger in for a while against Dallas and then thought, you know what, we need, we don't need to, we, Dallas checks better than Edmonton. I've got to spread my scoring out. Took Waugh, put Waugh on the fourth line, brought Amadio in, put him with the Misfits. And, you know, game six was uh, a re- revelation. And that's probably the lineup we'll see again uh, for game one. So of the Stanley Cup final, Bruce has been a huge part of the picture. This team had injuries this year. He managed to get them through it. This is what I'll say about Bruce Cassidy. Of all the coaches that I've been around, he has the greatest knack of winning the game. He, he, how he preps players or the changes he makes in a game. Uh, and, and it's situational. It's with this group of players. But he is – they won a lot of games this year where they found a way, and Bruce was a big, big part of that. Gary Lawless is with us, Vegas Golden Knights insider before game one of the cup final. Gary, I did see you jumped on with Ray and Dregs. They had a great photo of you in the promo piece of you in a in a purple shirt or suit or potentially lavender, uh, which got me thinking about your other roles. We've talked about this series for a moment. The media is all coming into Vegas. How many restaurant reservations have you been enlisted to make right now? What's the what's the inbox looking like right now when it comes to people needing something in Vegas as they come for the final? Well, this is really funny because you're mentioning that suit and you're saying other roles that I've played. Well, the first time I wore that suit to the rink, Shane spit his coffee out and said, "What are you? Are you Barney?" <laughs> and of course, he famously wore the Barney costume back in our days at the old station. Back on Hustler and Wallace, I was burning one night, and even sang the song. So uh, that's you know, right. I, didn't take, I didn't take it as I didn't take it as an insult, although that's clearly what Shane was getting at. <laughs> Big fat dinosaur in a purple suit. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things going on in terms of, uh, um, you know, there's always I always get the text from the guy that, uh, you know, cut my grass at my like first house when I lived in Winnipeg. Hey, think you could slide me some tickets for the final? <laughs> you know how much you know, you know how much tickets are on on the resale market right now? <laughs> on our regular on our regular ticket app, AXS, you can buy a ticket right now still for 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 game 1. Upper bowl is like 700 bucks and there are lower bowl going for 11 Gs. So, no, I can't slide you a pair. <laughs> hey, call me back for game seven. I'm sure I'll be able to help you out then. <laughs> hey, Lawman, just before we go, a quick thought on uh, <clears throat> your opponents. Paul Maurice, yeah. the Panthers, Matthew Kachuk. 
Yeah. Uh, this game is so weird. Like I just, I just said, to, Shane's desk is right beside me. So I come in, we have these conversations and we're talking about Kyle Dubas. He just got fired. He just got a promotion and a raise like Maurice, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened in Winnipeg, but he left the team in the middle of the year. And then <laughs> two months later, he gets hired. He gets, what did he get? Five by five? U.S.? Like, he got a massive raise and a bunch of term. And then, it, to his credit, he's in the Stanley Cup final. Now, the team, like, Andrew Burnett took that team last year, last season. They won the President's Trophy. And then when they lose in the second round in game seven to Tampa, like, okay, fire him. I, I don't know. Like, that, to me, was ridiculous. And then and Burnett got hired to, yesterday. Barry Trotz gives John Hines the shiv and brings in his old his old player Bruno. So I, it's just it's kind of wild. Uh, Florida's good. Uh, yeah, you know I, I, Brandon Montour has they've you know took him about nine years to get over the Randy Carlisle hangover. Like he, <laughs> he, this guy did not play would did not play the way Kitty wanted his D to play. And took it's, a while. One way. One way or another with Randy, and if if you didn't, if it wasn't going to work out, he was going to make sure he destroyed your confidence for a while. So, uh, or you get traded to Buffalo. Been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was awful in Buffalo too. Ralph Kruger made him a forward at at one point in time, and like finally, someone just said, "Oh, this guy can really skate, and can you know can get up in the play and can get back. Like, let him do what he wants to do." And uh, uh, he's been uh, he's been fantastic for for them. You know, Chuck is obviously scary. Uh, Barkov is one of the best two way centers in the NHL. He's like six four. He doesn't. People don't realize how big he is. He doesn't necessarily play physical, but he is physical just in nature. Like you can't lean on him. Can't get him off the puck. So there's uh, there's lots to like. Uh, and then Bobrovsky has been. Uh, has been liked out. There's some stat they were, you know, since they started tracking uh, expected goals against or for whatever it is, I don't know the exact, just the, the quality of starts for goalies. His 10, his 10 game run is the best ever in the history of, of, of some of the, uh, of some of, some of the analytic stats on goalies. So uh, Vegas is going to have to, going to have to get to him and see if they can crack him. Yeah, I'm not sure that nine-day break came at a great time for Bob, to be perfectly honest. We'll see what he's got for uh, you guys on uh, in game number one. Lawman, thanks so much for doing this. I know it's a real busy week. Good luck. I know uh, yeah. I know people are split around here as to who they're pulling for, but there's a lot of folks that are pulling for you, and uh, the rest of the Manitoba contingent is uh, part of the Golden Knights. Uh, all the best, and uh, good luck to you and the squad. Well, what about you? I'm pulling for the Knights. Oh, that's good. And Remus? I'm hoping for an invite to your Stanley Cup party in Matlock, so I want Vegas. Yeah, that's all he's been go. talking about. All right. He's going to bring the cup back, isn't he? So I'm like, hey, we're, we're definitely I don't think I will be. I don't expect I'll be getting a day with the cup if that, if that happens. But if it does, you're both invited. Take it easy, pal. Good luck. See you, boys. Thanks. All right. Good stuff with the lawman. Appreciate him joining us today. 
as we get ready for game one of the cup final on a Saturday night. NBA finals do get going tonight. Denver's a nine-point favorite over the Heat. We'll hit on that on the Cool Bet lines a little later on today, and we did hit on that on the Lock Shop today. If uh, you want to check that out wherever you get your favorite podcast, there's Lock Shop or get on over to Lock Shop Bets on YouTube and give a subscribe. Uh, hey, Vita Health is the spot, folks, with seven locations in Winnipeg for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries with local delivery available for online ordering over at myvita.ca. Barbecue season's in full swing. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market, grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And guys, with Father's Day just around the corner, men's health is top of mind. Garden of Life has created some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's. Both contain 50 billion beneficial bacteria to support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives seven winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca wallace and wallace is busy right now as winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist they've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946 in the winnipeg area if you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one give them a call they've got vinyl ornamental welded wire chain link or wood fences and if it's time to replace your garage door Wallace and Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700 is the number. The Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas, as we get into summer? Wedding season is here. If you need to up your menswear game the time is now to get into F apparel and do something about it. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for all the fellas if you're getting suited up at F apparel for a wed- for wedding parties. And if you got a 2023 high school grad, get them in there. Free custom shirt and tie for any new graduate with the purchase of a new suit f apparels at 190 smith street you can check them out online or make an appointment to pop in and see them at f that's e-p-h apparel.com and uh, it's just 30 degree after 30 degree day right now in winnipeg and that means it's blizzard season the good kind get on down to one of the four nick and nicky dqs today with the fam and try one of the great new summer blizzard flavors you can see them at dq northgate dq polo park DQ St. Anne's and DQ Neverville. And don't forget, if you need a custom DQ ice cream or blizzard cake, Nick and Nikki got you covered with that as well. Head on into the, any of the uh, stores for it, but you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and get that going. And uh, hey, a big thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge as well. Cannot wait to get out there a little later on this summer. Fishing season is on right now. And if you're looking for an amazing getaway for business purposes or just a holiday, world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality at the one-of-a-kind Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Find more about the Aikens experience at AikensLake.com or uh, hit our pal Pitt Turan up for more information and availabilities on Twitter at Aikens Lake. All right, let's get Weber in here and get things going. Kenny, what's up? Uh, kind of a quiet week. Uh, we haven't had games for a couple days, but <laughs> we finally got one on Saturday. And I think like most people, maybe outside of the South Florida and Vegas markets, 
We want to get on with this final and then get done with this final and get on to the off season. Yeah, no doubt. Great to be with you, Huss. Uh, I got a little purple uh, in honor of Gary's suit uh, Gary's that he pants, was rocking yeah. <laughs> uh, earlier. So uh, great, uh, great, great memory lane here. Uh, reminding me of a couple of great AHL Calder Cup playoff trips with the Lawman. So uh, I know they're going to be having a great time in Vegas. Uh, just an incredible scene down there for games one and two. You can imagine the atmosphere will be bumping. Uh, the rink will be rocking. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so in, like what an interesting series, right? The pushback by Dallas, uh, followed by a you know absolute complete and utter domination. That I know you just got through uh, thoroughly with Gary there, but uh, that that was an incredible. That's one of the most incredible closeout games you're going to see, Huss, uh, from any team in any league. Uh, absolutely took it to them early, and as you were talking about the Manitoba contingent, very strong and at the forefront of a lot of that uh, domination there with whether it was Howden getting involved physically or, or Colasar with, with a great you know goal and an assist and just an incredible effort there. So, yeah, fired up about the finals. Uh, you know, obviously, got was fortunate enough to be in the building last year when the cup was handed out. Um, won't be there this year, but we'll be watching with great interest for sure. Um, I think it's a fascinating series on a number of fronts. Uh, you know, obviously, some local ties on both of those teams. And I think it should be just a fabulous series between two excellent hockey teams. And, it, you know, just goes to show, we always try to find the formula Hus going into these playoffs. You know, there is a one seed and there is a 16 seed in the Stanley Cup final. And very few people, to my knowledge, had that on their own bingo card. But uh, it, it is a Cinderella story, Hus. but I think a lot of people have forgotten uh, that the Panthers were the President's Trophy winners last year. And so I don't think this is like a rise from the ashes like many of those other two, other those teams, whether it's the LA Kings in 2012 or, you know, some of those other runs like, you know, the, you know, Oilers in 2006, things like that. But uh, I think it's a fascinating series on the horizon and I think it will be excellent to get it started, Huss. I mean, it would have been great if it was starting tonight. Let's, you know, but, you know, TV uh, TV rules the world and because that wasn't over in five, we had to wait. So I think the wait will uh, help both teams in some regards in terms of the injury front. Of course, it's going to be a challenge for Florida after being off for 11 days, but let's be honest. Um, <laughs> the Florida Panthers have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, so that rust uh, factor is not going to last very long in this series, uh, in my opinion. And Vegas now has a couple extra days, has had a couple extra days to get some of their bumps and bruises taken care of as well. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, when it comes to that layoff, especially for the Panthers, the one area that I think it is really going to affect is Bob. I mean, well, Bob yeah. was on such a heater. And, and again, hey, maybe he just picks up where he left, left off. I think that's a lot harder to do after a week and a half plus off than a couple days right now. And let's face it, this team needs Bob to be as close to the Bob we saw in the conference finals in the cup final if they're going to be hoisting that trophy after the best of seven. Yeah, totally fair, Huss, and, and I understand that viewpoint. But the other thing about Bobrovsky is that he's the one who's benefited most from breaks during the, the playoffs so far. So, I mean, he may not come right out of the gate in terms of 48 save, Bob, but 
he's a guy who, you know, Elliot's been talking about it throughout the playoffs. Like when he gets to, you know, six, seven, eight starts in a row, that's when his body starts breaking down and his game starts to erode a little bit as well. So is it a little bit too long? Yes. But for a guy like that, who the other thing that they've been talking about Bobrovsky has throughout these playoffs, he loses so much weight over the course of the game. And then now you have the four overtime game or the, you know, the, the, it just, sorry, it was, it was, no, now I'm getting confused. It was three overtimes. It was nearly the fourth, right? No, no, it was, four. no it was four. Yeah. So yeah. seven full like periods, a minute, essentially. A minute left in the fourth well, five, overtime. 4.9 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So uh, seven full periods. Now you, you can't really recover over the course of a series when you have that kind of, deterioration of your body uh you know no matter how much water and food you're putting into it so do i think he's gonna be as sharp as he was against carolina no but i don't think it'll take long for him to get to that point now on the flip side uh when it's a coin flip series sometimes maybe taking an advantage in game one or whatever is maybe sometimes all it takes but um, I think somebody reminded me too, or last year, I think the Avalanche, having covered the Western Conference final, that ended in a sweep. I think Colorado had nine days off um, before they got in. Nine, nine is not the same as 11 Hus, but um, being in the building, uh, I, can remi- I can remind folks that uh, they did not have any trouble getting ready for game one. And they were even better in game two, where they blew the doors off the Lightning, who were the, you know, the Stanley Cup champ or two time Stanley Cup champs. So. Uh, I think it, the rest is going to be overplayed uh, unless it's a beatdown in game one. But well, let's not kid ourselves here. These are two excellent hockey teams that are within four wins of the Stanley Cup and raising it over their head. I think they're going to find a way to get themselves and stay ready. So uh, I can't wait for the series. And sorry, on a quick aside, totally off topic, I watched the Shaq biography this last week it was just incredible sorry it just because i'm thinking of championships and championship play uh all the sports fans you don't even have to be a shack fan do yourself a service and watch it's a four-part series the language is a little salty but uh incredible job there so sorry to go off topic here made it like is it a 30 for 30 or it's uh... in it's in crave so i i think it's an hbo directed uh, event but it was just absolutely fantastic so i all to say, I think there will be a there will be a documentary made, whether it's the Vegas Golden Knights or the Florida Panthers, uh, and the Panthers run, including Matthew Kachuk. And I think of Shaq, and now my hero. I'm going to tie it back, us, even though it seemed like it was totally in I left knew where field. You were going with this. Yeah, so like Shaq with Matthew Kachuk in an elbow room T-shirt. I mean, like this is it, it, it's not as necessarily important for us here in you know north of the border. But for a sport looking for exposure in the United States and worldwide, having Matthew Kachuk play this role of, in a lot of ways, you know, to stay on Shaq, he's taken on this superhero type of role when it comes to selling the game and growing the game and his ability to go toe-to-toe on the panel with Barkley, who is a huge hockey fan, and Huss. He was at the final last year. He rolled into hat tricks one night and it, the scene was ridiculous. I know we talked about it at the time. Like this is a guy who loves hockey. So uh, Kachuk Shaq, out there. Not so much. Well, Shaq not <laughs> following it quite as closely. You know, that that's, that's hundred percent accurate, but um, <laughs> you know, the, the ability to be on TNT's program for the sport itself, I think is, is excellent. And uh, Kachuk's level of play is exceptional in itself, but, I mean, something like that, like an elbow room T-shirt. That doesn't mean anything if you're watching hockey in an obscure market. You know what I thought the second I saw that? (laughs) 
Dennis Bayak. <laughs> Dennis's it, it, favorite bar on the road well, in the entire it, NHL, the right. Elbow Room. For sure. So if you roll through town in Fort Lauderdale, you if you blink, you missed it, right, Huss? If you blink, you miss the Elbow Room. So um, don't blink. You know, don't no, don't blink. Uh, it, it, well, hey, but listen, but bring cash, us right? For, for for other folks who don't know, no no credit or uh, Apple Pay at the elbow room. Uh, you know, Remus, uh, and again for podcast listeners, this is for more for the YouTube. But we got this picture of Kachuk up with those guys, and I watched it. I was entertained. I mean, he's a guy you love to hate when he's playing against your team, but. You have to give it to the guy. Um, he is authored another incredible season, going to be a finalist for the Hart Trophy in all likelihood. And Ken, uh, what he's doing right now in the playoffs, I mean, if Sergei Bobrovsky wasn't, you know, yeah. on this otherworldly heater, um, he'd be the clear favorite to win the Conn Smythe Trophy. That, when you talk about spreading the game and, you know, exposing the stars, which is something the NHL just has not done very well forever, Kachuk was the perfect guy to be there. Like, I, I was watching this, and I thought, you know, he was quite endearing. He did so well. I'm like, can you imagine Connor McDavid in that same spot? <laughs> like, I can't. Um, and then it got us thinking, we've been talking about this a lot, and I'll put this to you right now. If you did a redraft, every single player is a free agent right now. And GMs, it's basically like a fantasy draft, and you're just picking players. Connor McDavid's going to go first overall. How, how close does Matthew Kachuk come up when you're talking about everybody in the league? Like, to me, he he's now in that conversation of after McDavid, who's next? Yeah, I mean, Matthews is still going to be up there, you know, based on you know, those guys were teammates, line mates, all of the above. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kachuk is, he brings elements that are not plentiful, let's just say, Huss, in terms unicorn. of the... Bill Zito the, calls it to him all the time. Yeah, the ability to produce at a 40-goal, 100-point level, but also his ability now, Huss, to rein in the shenanigans while still playing on the edge and being physically engaged. That, that's another element that... Uh, every general manager is searching for high and low, and they are hard to find. Uh, and then bringing in the personality. I mean, does Matthew uh, exude confidence? Uh, yes, he does, Huss. But if you listen to people throughout this playoff and, you know, having covered the Eastern Conference final remotely and listening to every single um, media availability that the Panthers posted, whether it's Paul Maurice or any of his teammates, what you hear about Matthew, like, Two days after the trade had happened, he's taking out the support staff, the trainers. He's taking these people out to dinner. So does he exude confidence and is able to sit on a panel and be comfortable in a way that Connor McDavid probably isn't? Yes. Kachuk is able to do all those things. He is very confident, and that's a good quality to have in a superstar player. But he's also humble and he's also has a lot of humility. That's something that I've heard from Paul Maurice so much throughout this long block between games. And I think the best example, Huss, is the way that Alexander Barkov spoke about Kachuk on the podium after the series was over and talking about how when he texted him for the first time, it was like they had known each other for 10 years. So Matthew Kachuk is a big-time alpha but he also was able to blend in without, you know, drowning out the captain and some of the other leaders, guys like Aaron Ekblad, who are, you know, 
himself a first overall pick, uh, the longest tenured member of the franchise. So that ability to fit in, I think, was also very important in this whole story. And, you know, obviously we know this week uh, there's a big tie-in to how with what happened in Toronto this week with Brad Treliving taking over as the general manager. I mean, he's been front and center, but this trade has been mentioned uh, countless times over the last two months and will continue to be talked about because he's going to find himself in a similar position with, in his new role with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then the next tentacle today with Kyle Dubas going oh, okay, to Pittsburgh, right? I okay, mean, we're the tentacle to connection all, we're is We're going to get to all of that. But, but here, just... Sure. I, just back to Kachuk. I just want to figure yep. out like where your head is at with just how how high he's climbed. I mean, put oh, it sorry. this way. I mean, how he... many players in the league would you not trade would you trade Matthew Kachuk for? Connor McDavid, yeah. how how many other guys? I mean, you got McKinnon, you got Matthews, um, you know, Kale McCarr, I'm sure, you know, as a top defenseman might be there. Uh, it, it would not be it, it's not automatic even though with those guys like with what he's doing because not only is he dragging his team at times yep. to, you know, dude, he's doing it in the playoffs, the clutch nature of it, and then everything else that he does that not many players are able to do at the level that he plays. Yeah, sorry, Hussey. Out of the 700 to 750 players that appeared in the league this year, Matthew is definitely a top 10 player, and it, there's it's easy. You have to make the argument he's a top five player. He is yeah. in the three for the Hart Trophy on most ballots. So, um you know, on some days he'd be in the top three and other days he would be in the top five, depending on how you value your goaltenders and things like that. But there are not many times in a career that a top five to 10 player is available via trade and has the seamless fit with his new team immediately. You know, it was a tough situation. I mean, Matthew was only willing to go to certain places and sign an extension. You know, LeBron has written about this. Carolina was one. St. Louis was one. We believe Las Vegas was one also, but they couldn't make the money work. So that's another great storyline going into the final. He just eliminated one of the teams that was in the running for his services. Can he do it again to another team that would have been interested as well? You know, you got two American stars. Like, And we know in Canada, people are, you know, sour. It's been since 93 that no Canadian team has won. We get it. Oh, Sunbelt franchises. Well, just hang on a second here. Yeah, I've been in plenty of games at FLA Live Arena, Huss, and I know you've been in there for the draft and other events. I mean, there have been nights when I've been in that building. Uh, once was on Halloween, and many of the people in attendance were disguised as empty seats. That's not the case in the playoffs right now. And Vegas, that's never been the case. This is a this is a top five hockey market in the National Hockey League, even after six years of existence in terms of game time, experience, vibe, all of those things. The fact that Vegas has been in the Western Conference Final four times in six years and are in two Stanley Cup Finals is absolutely exceptional. It's not like that in all markets, but these are markets where the game is growing, there's some nice synergy in the in the community in Florida between the Heat having this crazy run as an eighth seed and that, and them being in the NBA final against Denver, and now this Panthers upstart team is going up against Vegas. So to me, we need to get off our high horse. Like lean into this series. Yeah, there stop are th this is <laughs> this is a great series in terms of the the players that will be on the ice, uh, markets and. Star, star talent. I mean, Eichel is all you talked about it with Gary. I know this. I mean, Eichel would be the only other forward that is in the conversation right now with Kachuk in terms of the Conn Smythe trophy. What about Marchessault? Well, I would say that Marchessault and Carlson would be in the discussion, but they're not like 
it's a clear cut distinction between one, two, three, and four and five in this vote for me, Hus. Um, and that's to take nothing away from what's been happening in terms of clutch performance. Like Marchessault didn't score for a long time to start this series. And the other thing you have to look at, in ter- and I'm not discounting the play of either one of those original misfits, Hus. William Carlson is one of the best two way players in left. In, and he has been one of the best two-way players in this entire playoff, for one. And for two, he's got double digits and goals now, right? Or nine or he's got nine or ten, one or the other. And Marcheseau has now gotten hot at the absolute perfect time for the Golden Knights. So those guys would be in the discussion, Hus. But to me, Eichel has been the catalyst and the driver. Um, you know, again, Mark Stone is their best player, as Gary mentioned, but Mark is not at a physical level where he can be a dominant force the way that Eichel has been as a two-way player. But Mark Stone is still playing at a ridiculous level when you consider the physical challenges he's had to endure. And I know I said this at the time, Huss, when I watched his first practice back with the team. For all of the conspiracy theorists who said Mark Stone was sitting around on his behind waiting to play in January and February, he wasn't ready to play. <laughs> this is not a he was stuff, back him, surgery, stuff him on the sidelines and see what happens here. This is a guy who's had to battle incredibly hard after two back surgeries and is nowhere near 100%, but has the will and desire to want to raise that trophy. That's the only reason Mark Stone is back playing in this run right now. And he's doing an exceptional job, all things considered. Um, just before we move on, um, who are you picking? It's a tight one for me. Uh, I do think I do. I picked Vegas to win the Stanley Cup like three years in a row before they missed the playoffs, Huss. So I, it to me like Vegas has become my San Jose Sharks of the like <laughs> of the mid two thousand or twenty twenty ten to twenty twenty situation. Uh, I am going to take the Vegas Golden Knights in six. I do think it's a series that it, a legit coin flip series. To me, Huss, Gary referenced it. They have 50 goals sitting in the press box right now, and Ben Hutton is a defenseman in the seventh defenseman role that would be playing in almost every other team starting six. Uh, I think that their four-line depth is unmatched, even by Florida, who gets some contributions and got a big goal from Ryan Lomberg. You know, they have a Stanley Cup winner and a you know national guy like Eric Stahl, who has won the Olympics, World Cups, things like that. But to me right now, I don't think that their depth is at the same level. You could argue that Matthew Kachuk is playing at an elite level and Barkov is also one of those great, one of the greatest two-way players uh, in these playoffs as well. I know I mentioned Wild Bill uh, earlier, but Barkov is a crazy talent. You know, Anthony Duclair has worked his way back from an injury. There have been some games where he's been absolutely on fire. And then just a quick kind of a side hus. I mean, I mentioned Chandler Stevenson last week or the week before about the type of player the Jets would have to be targeting. The Panthers have another one of those players on their roster. Carter Verhage was a Stanley Cup champion as a fourth liner who played in the 12-minute range and has blossomed into a 40-goal scorer. So when you look at guys who are younger and looking for other opportunities and people say, oh, you can't replace these guys if you move them, well, that's simply not accurate. I mean, they're hard to replace, of course, and not all of these guys blossom and work out. But those are the type of players that the Jets will be looking to add when it comes to the deals they will have to make this summer, whether it's in trade or free agency. You're going to have to identify players like that who are in an environment where they learned about the winning portion, but maybe need an opportunity to spread their wings and, and go from 12-minute to 18-minute players and can go from you know eight goal scorers to you know eventually 20-plus and then 
you know, if they can go to the 40 range, you're, you're laughing. But um, that, that's another example of a player. And this guy played in the ECHL loss. I mean, like this guy had to work his way up from the very, like, not the very bottom, but, you know, he had to, had to climb a couple of rungs here before he could get to, to elite status, let's say. Um, uh, Weaver, I do want to kind of get to a little bit more on the Jets off season, sure. but um, let's just talk about the news of today. And just before you comment on <laughs> Brad Treleving being the GM in Toronto and Kyle Dubas's new gig in Pittsburgh, as a guy that's gotten his fair share of press releases in the past, in the past, and knows how things are done, what 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 did you make of the fact that the Penguins? announced Dubas's hiring like 20 minutes after the or 20 minutes before excuse me Treleving's uh presser was about to start like that is not usual protocol for teams in the NHL correct no I don't think it was necessarily as uh, Dr. Evil uh, I know what you're suggesting has to kind of take away some of the wind out of the sails but to me because the the Leafs had already you know the announcement was already confirmed yesterday so I, I don't see it as a direct attack necessarily by the by the evil ship Fenway Sports Group um, you know coincidence no but I also would say that because there has been so much speculation about Kyle Dubas's future or present more accurately, but had been re- referenced in the future up until this morning when the announcement was made. It's more of those, one of those things where you kind of you're trying to beat the you're trying to beat the insiders to the punch essentially. But we should also say too, Huss, you know, Mark Madden is a guy who's from the wrestling field, but a uh, very plugged in guy there. I think he announced like he had put it up on Twitter. I think I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day, it was either Tuesday or late Tuesday or when it was actually late Tuesday where he thought they were closing in on the deal. So, uh, but outside of that, you know. Some people had speculated. The speculation was wild on both sides. He had already turned down the job. He's taking the job. Is it part of the negotiation process? Um, that was all, all unclear. Or maybe there was a, you know, the other thing yesterday was the mystery suitor. Like, well, maybe he'll wait until Ottawa, or maybe there's another team that's in, involved. So, well, I'm sure I'm, the, Dubas has half the media in Southern Ontario in his back pocket anyway. So I'm sure if he wanted to float something like that out, he would have been able to do something like that. What do you think of Dubas? Like, when Plus you look I, back at be... his time at his time with the Leafs, I mean, there are some people that like stand that think that he is one of the best GMs in the league. Um, there's others that think that he's completely overrated, that he never got results with an incredibly talented team, and he got completely worked over in all of his contract negotiations with the star players. Where are you at on Dubas? I think Kyle's an incredibly smart guy. He's insightful and articulate. Uh, I listened to his entire presser today, Huss. Um, I wish that more general managers spoke the way that he did. Now, that's not to say that the speaking is more important than the result. It's not. Uh, he built an incredible program. Uh, there are you know 100, 100 plus, 110 plus point seasons in consecutive years. The fact that they only won one time during his tenure, that will be disappointing to him. Uh, he had a bit of a blind spot when it came to goaltending. Not blind spot, but that was one of the, the, the areas where, you know, people will say he didn't, you know, you know he, he bet too much on Matt Murray. Like, if you look at Samsonov's numbers, Huss, they're better than Hellebuck's this year, but they weren't better in the playoffs when it mattered, right? So you can say that he didn't address the goaltending situation. Um, in terms of the negotiations, Huss, I mean, I understand that the core four concept, paying the four... Four players above ten million dollars is, uh, you know, not optimal, uh, especially when one of those players is, you know, a little bit maybe you could say past his prime years. 
but he's also assembled an incredible amount of talent. Now, the fact that that talent has not gotten the job done, I mean, you can't argue that Kyle Dubas didn't add the character guys to be around the skill players this year when bringing in uh, the number of players he did from Luke Shen to Ryan O'Reilly and guys like that. So I think that Kyle has evolved as a general manager and and how I would best describe it is this way, Huss. There's a lot of people from the establishment that are not Kyle Dubas fans. Um, They thought the the young upstart guy, you know, he's trying to revolutionize the, you know, we know how to do, we know how to do this job, but who's this kid coming in here saying he can do it better. I mean, I don't get the sense that Kyle is a, it has that know-it-all persona, Huss. I don't know him well enough to know, um, but that's not the indication that I get from listening to him. I mean, if is he does he is he act like that around general managers? I can't imagine that he does, or else you wouldn't get a job like this. So, uh, I think that Kyle will do a better job in his current job than he did in his first job, and I think he did a pretty good job under the circumstances in his last job. Now, that didn't translate into raising a banner. I didn't even translate into winning a second round, but uh, I think Kyle overall has done a pretty good job. Uh, so just put it to you this way, you know, did he overpay? And should he have gotten more years for Austin? That's easy to say, but until Austin walks away from the organization, I think it's hard to argue that Austin Matthews was overpaid by the Leafs. Now, could you argue Nylander and, and Marner and to a degree Tavares has been overpaid because they haven't put a banner up? Sure. Go ahead. But Tell me a team that doesn't want Mitch Marner or Nylander or Austin Matthews. If those players become available, you show me a team that's going to pay those guys less than ten million dollars. Uh, to me, be- to me, it's not the it's not the the money. I mean, it was more the term. I mean, the fact that they walked him right to free agency with a full no move in the final year, and that puts incredible stress and pressure on Brett for living on this first month on the job. Because if he wants to stay, he's going to stay. Whether he has a no move, like no move is important in this situation, but let's put it this way. There's been plenty of people who have no moves. Not many of them, if they get to the end of the tenure and they're not interested in sticking around, will say no to a potential deal, right? I mean, is it going to be a max deal or a better deal? We can make that argument all day long. But, you know, the players hold the majority of the power, especially when you're a first overall pick. Now, should he have gotten an extra year or two? Sure, we can make that argument all day long. Like, it also sets the player up to cash in one more time. Like the whole five years versus eight years, that debate's going to even ramp up even further now, Hus, because of a flat cap this year going up one million. But now the projections of you know eighty-eight the year after, then maybe ninety-one. Like, if you're Austin, do you want to sign an eight-year deal or do you want to go another five? Like, it's it's super interesting. Now, the fact that Nylander, you know, didn't have a contract, it didn't show up until almost December. Now you can, can you hang that on Dubas because you ended up accepting the original offer? Sure. But I mean, first time GMs are going to have some mistakes. I, I don't think there's a mistake that says Kyle Dubas doesn't know what he's doing and should get, never get another job. Uh, I think that he'll do a good job in Pittsburgh. He has some unique challenges for sure. He's learned a lot of lessons on the job, but like this isn't just some analytics guy who only crunches numbers. Like Kyle's background is in scouting. He was a scout with Sault Ste. Marie and the Greyhounds when he was 17 years old. Like this guy loves hockey. Uh, I think he has a progressive mind. I think he, you know, you make, he admitted himself today during the presser that he made mistakes that first year in Sault Ste. Marie in the OHL, but every GM makes a mistake. Don't make a mistake that puts your franchise back for he, five years. That that I don't see him making. He used that word progressive today. He said, I'm going to be hiring yeah. a progressive GM. What does that mean? 
I think the other, I mean, the other important part of that sentence, as he said, someone who does, who has different skills than what I have, right? I think that's smart. Like surround yourself with smart people uh, and don't be afraid of like, having to look over. I know it's a different thing when he's a president or whatever else, but to me, he's like Theo. When Theo was the president, Theo Epstein, he was still making the majority of the decisions. Like, I don't think he's just going to be deferring to the general manager. Like Kyle's going to have input as a president here. This is not just a business job for him. This is a hockey ops job, uh, depending on who he, who he hires. I mean, I think it just means someone who has fresh ideas. And I think that we talk about this all the time, whether it's with the coaches, you know, recycled coaches or whatever else is going on. Like, don't be afraid to surround yourself with people who don't necessarily just say yes to you or don't think in complete alignment. Of course, you have to have core beliefs and values that you share, but don't be afraid to listen to somebody else's ideas and see if they can't help you. So I think that's all that he meant with progressive. And like, I, I get it. Like people are, he's a very polarizing figure, Huss. Let's just put it that way. He's a polarizing guy. Well, a lot more after in the last two weeks than he was before, I think. And well, I, mean, I think he was polarizing before, Huss. I mean, yeah, no, old school sure. hockey people have no time for him. Some of them have but no is, time. But why was that? Like, I mean, everyone just says he's this analytics guy. I mean, like. That's total bunk. Exactly. Like, that's what I mean. Like, there was not anything. And you look at the moves that he made over the last few years. I mean, was he doing anything different than most of the other GMs? I mean, I didn't see anything revolutionary about Kyle Dubas, basically, is my point. And I think he's young, he's good-looking, he's well-spoken. He was the Toronto Maple Leafs GM. And then he executed a real squeeze on his boss, Brendan Shanahan, kind of publicly, and ended up losing his job over it. But, I mean, like... There, I don't see anything revolutionary about anything Dubas did during his time with the Leafs. I think he was the beneficiary of an organization that had an absolute blank checkbook for everything that they wanted to do. And to be honest, he took over a team that was a 105-point team before he was there. I mean, I still sort of wonder why he is thought of as this top-tier elite GM when... I can't really say that anything that he did other than, you know, some good quality regular seasons, which is the start. Um, there's a lot of guys that have done that. Sure. He inherited a good team, but Hussey was also there in the building of that team, right? As assistant GM. Uh, Marley's won a Calder Cup during his time there. Uh, revolutionary, not necessarily, but I mean, Kyle said himself today that the analytics portion is meant to help inform your decision. It's not just to say it's X and Y equals Z, and that's why we're bringing in this player. So, I think that was always a faulty narrative that was created by media people who didn't do a little more digging, to be quite frank. Um, who you know, did get it and didn't realize that every single team in the league is doing this stuff. Right. <laughs> exactly. Some are just a little bit more public about it than others. So uh, I see Kyle as a smart guy. I mean, what that means, I mean, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's going to be determined by his next job or two. Uh, right now, I think he's a really smart guy. I, I like what listening. What do you make about his job right now? Because we were kind of kicking it around and looking at cap friendly with that Pittsburgh team. I mean, they have a ton of money tied up in players that aren't just over 30, but I mean, are over 35. Latang's getting paid till he's 41 years old right now. And they've been a team that in the past has traded their first round pick almost every season. Um, to me, this is an incredible challenge for Kyle Dubas. And if he wants to, you know, prove that he is one of the best in the game, um, he's got, he's got a, a He's got his uh, everything lined up for him to be able to show that he is that guy because I don't see a uh, a simple or easy path for Pittsburgh getting back up to where they've been. Certainly, as we get down and 
the final years of Malkin and Sidney Crosby, as great as those players are. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Let's not forget, Pittsburgh missed the playoffs by one point this year, and the team that beat him is currently playing in the Stanley Cup final. So that's not to take away any of the problems that the Pittsburgh Penguins had, including one of the biggest problems was losing with Dustin Tokarski and their entire right side being in the press box against the Winnipeg Jets in January. Um, but it, it's not like this is an awful team. This is not a lottery. This is not a bottom five team. Uh, they've had their well documented and publicized issues in goal. Uh, Tristan Jari is much of it due to his injury status and health status. I mean, before Sidney Crosby got knocked out of the playoffs last year by Jacob Truba, they were, I wouldn't say in control of the series against the New York Rangers, but they most certainly were in the series against the team that ended up going to the conference finals. So I don't think, are they a team on the decline? Yes. Are they a team that's in danger of being in the toilet for the next five years? That I don't see. Uh, Sidney Crosby is still playing at an elite level. Uh, if they had not missed the playoffs, he would have been on Hart Trophy ballots, probably based on the season that he had in terms of his two-way play and still ability to 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 will his team to win on a lot of nights. Do they need to upgrade? Yes, of course they do. They're going to need an infusion of young talent, and they're going to need to surround those high-end players you mentioned, the Malkins, the Crosbys, you know, the the Gensels. You know, Brian Rust has been there for a long time and been a productive player. But this is the this is the beauty for Kyle. Right away, one of your biggest decisions is a net, right? So upgrade the goalie position if you can. I don't think they're going to run it back with Jari. Matt Murray's no. available. Well, Matt Murray's available, but he's certainly if he, if they get Matt Murray, he will not be at full freight, Hasa. Let, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I do think that he will address the goalie situation right out of the gate. I think they need, you know, they could probably, you know, they're going to be looking for a guy like John Marino, who the Penguins just sent out the door last year to the, to the New Jersey Devils and ended up having a great year as a top four guy with the Devils. So uh, puck movers, some young talent, yes, absolutely. But here's another thing, Huss. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a storied franchise. They ha- they hang a lot of banners in, this, in the rooftops, and they're a place where you know it's not a luxurious city, but it's a blue-collar city, and I think it's an organization. They have one of the best rinks in the league, Huss, um, in terms of how they operate. They have a great reputation. And the other part, too, we talk about this all the time when it comes to star players. People want to play with Sidney Crosby. If you're a young player, you want to be around Sidney Crosby. You want to be around people like that. And, you know, there's my tie-in. I mean, you talked about you talked about the Jets. I mean, I was just thinking about this afternoon. Like, would Mark Scheifele be the type of player that the Penguins would be looking at? I don't, not, a, not long-term, Huss, but in a one-year. for That team obviously is in win-now mode. Now, I'm not sure what the Pittsburgh Penguins can offer for Mark Shifley, but much like I mentioned Carolina last week, like I think Mark Shifley around guys like Malkin and Crosby, you go to a place where you have an established leadership group, uh, I would think that there would be a good chance under Mike Sullivan that Mark could be pushed to play that two-way game that the you know Rick Bonus was hoping that he would see more of from him this year. Yeah, I, I mean, Paul Maurice couldn't do it. If Rick Bonus couldn't do it, um, I'm... Hus, one more if, thing. If, if if somebody turns Mark Shifley into a great, complete 200-foot center in the second half of his career, that will be true kudos to the coach because um, there's been some guys that have done a pretty good job in other places with a lot of other players that haven't succeeded so far. Sometimes you need to go to a new place, Hus. I think that this is the thing about Mark. He's been here since he's 18 years old. And a lot of it, like, let's look at how much you and I have changed since 18 into our 40s here, right? I mean... It's a big difference. So 
for Mark, I, I think that for his benefit also, like I think that Mark is going to get to a point in his 40s hus where he thinks and realizes that he had it really good here in in Winnipeg and that he, you know, I think he knows he's been treated well here. Uh, but I think that sometimes you need to go to a new environment in order for that to really resonate. I think that happened with Dale Howarchuk Huss on his way out of, out of town. Uh, we know how Dale felt after his career was over and into the coaching ranks and everything else. Uh, I just think that Mark is in a place where I think he's kind of reached his pinnacle here, but I do think there's still a higher ceiling for him, even though some people say 30, 31, you know, he's past his prime. Uh, Mark takes very good care of his body, pushes himself incredibly hard. He's got an incredible skill set. Uh, he would not be the first player to improve uh, the defensive part of his game after like post 30 is what I would, would I would counter. And the other thing too, Huss, I mean, points and goals sell. So he's going to be valuable to some team. I don't know which team that's going to be and what the return will be. Uh, but Mark is still an elite level offensive player. And he's a guy that is, I think going to be in demand this summer. I don't, you know, some are people going to try to have a staring contest and try to reduce the cost. Of course they are. But I think Marcus is still a very tradable asset and there's the other thing too, Huss. Do I think it's time for Mark to move on for both himself and the organization? Absolutely. But he's going to leave a pretty big offensive hole behind. Now, the other part of it was what we always talked about. You know, you got to out, outscore your mistakes. And that's something where the Jets, I think, I think they'll be looking to change the complexion of their roster, Huss. To me, that's the most important thing. You're not going to, you're not getting... You know, you're not getting a 42 goal guy for Mark Scheifler, not a guy who's had 42 goals up to this point or had six consecutive seasons of point of game production. But I think you can find a very good player in return, and it could be a deal that's mutually beneficial because I think Mark can provide value to his next organization, just like he provided a lot of value to the one that he has been with since, you know, the 2011 draft. Well, speaking of this, Ken, and uh, before we finish, I mean, sort of a broad question on. You know, all of the players and topics we've talked about, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck now. So I, I seemingly hear more, <clears throat> excuse me, more about Hellebuck trade options or people talking about it, frankly, than those other two guys. But, I mean, you've got your ear to the ground. I mean, is there a team or two that you're sort of focusing in on or hearing anything that might be a suitable trade partner for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, which players do you think are getting the most traction when Kevin Chevalier is uh, speaking with his counterparts around the league? Yeah. I mean, Hellebuck is topical Huss because of what's happening with Bob, right? So it's a copycat league. All of a sudden a $10 million goalie has his team on his back uh, in the Stanley cup final. So naturally there will be teams looking around that say, Hey, what would an elite goalie do for our organization or for me as a general manager? Right? So uh, I think there's obviously teams are always looking at what the areas they can improve in. A lot of the teams that made the final four, you know, the teams that made the elite eight, whatever you want to call it, they all had places where they could improve. I mean, there's lots of teams that would up, like to upgrade their goaltending situation. Some of them long-term, some of them might be willing to go to $10 million. Others are looking at Connor at 6.17 and saying, Hey, one year of Hellebuck might be enough to get a banner raised. Carolina has, I mentioned Carolina last week, just because they have both goalies are on on expiring contracts. So to me, that's got to be something that's investigated. Uh, The Boston Bruins, like, I think it's pretty simple, Huss. I think Connor will most likely be going to the Eastern Conference. Uh, The Jets will not want to be, you know, they do not want to be haunted by the goalie that that went away. Uh, You know, I know LA is a team that's getting a lot of love and traction right now. I, I, I 
could see it. It's a potential, but I think it's more likely that it, it's to me, this was reminiscent of the line A deal. I know the circumstances are way different, Huss, as a second overall pick compared to a fifth rounder who's blossomed into a Vezina caliber goaltender and a Vezina trophy winner. Uh, but I don't think the Jets want to really have Connor Hellebuck rolling into town two or three times a year and have him as a potential playoff opponent at any other point other than in the Stanley Cup final. Would it make sense to take a lesser package though to make sure that he goes to? Oh, the I'm East? not say say if the best offer is from the West is from the West. Sure, they're going to take the best offer from the West. I mean, I know you know all things being equal though. I, yeah, I, I I'm just saying that if they have a comparable offer, this is like the best player available on the draft board. I mean, you can say what you want, but I mean if the players are equal, you're, you're taking the position of need at the draft. And here you're probably taking a package where you don't feel like you're going to be haunted. Like in let, you know, this is not a Donovan. Let's just put it this way. It's Don, not a Donovan McNabb situation where the team doing the trading is going to be comfortable with Connor Hellebuck playing in the division. I, I, I'm quite confident of that. Um, but you know, we don't know the factors. We don't know what Connor wants in terms of his next deal. Does he want an eight-year deal? Does he want a $10 million deal? Does he want five years? Does he want to play in the States? Does he want to, you know, would he be interested in a one-year run with the Edmonton Oilers trying to take Connor McDavid over and Leon over the top? I mean, you know, Stuart Skinner had a great year. He's a Calder Trophy candidate. Uh, could they make the money work? We we don't know that, but I would say it's much more likely Connor's going to end up, if he is moved, um, and if he can't come to an agreement with the Jets, who I think will make a very competitive offer, but ultimately it's up to what the player wants. And that's the whole thing. We've talked about this all week long and we've been talking about it for months and we will talk about it until the moment a move gets made. If one gets made, uh, it all depends on where Connor Hellbuck's headspace is at. If he wants to continue to invest in a place where he's invested a lot of sweat equity in a place where he was drafted in the fifth round and became a star player, or if he want, you know, we know he's chasing that Stanley Cup. Does he believe he can get that done here in the ne- in the course of the next contract? That's the only time we're going to know, and only Connor and his representatives know that for sure. But the last little trail of breadcrumbs he left, I wouldn't say a lot of people were confident that his belief level was here. But like I always say to you, Huss, two days on the podium after being eliminated, I don't know is necessarily the. Uh, it's either the place where you get the most truth or you get the most, I can't wait to get the hell off this podium. So I think there, uh, you know, sometimes we invest a little bit too much in the words, but that's our job. Our job is to interpret the words. So uh, I've been given no indication that Connor has made a decision or if he has decided if he wants to stay or not. And we'll see what happens. Hey, um, Kenny, just as we, uh, do time or still- month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're still here. Yep, we just sorry, got hey, just on our on our way out. Um. Obviously, we're going to be down in Nashville. Should be a very very exciting week for the entire league, but also specifically for the Winnipeg Jets. Let's assume that nothing happens throughout the Stanley Cup Final, as is the norm. Yeah, it won't happen. There won't be uh, anything happen. But do you expect that we'll start seeing and hearing some things out of the Winnipeg Jets very quickly at the end of the Cup Final? Or is this going to be a waiting game right down to, you know, the days leading into the 28th and 29th when the picks are made? And then, of course, free agency in July is the Saturday of that very week. Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. I mean, the thing we always, you know, 
the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior, but uh, that's only to a degree, right? The year that it's the Jets... It's very different now, though. But, I mean, I'm just saying, so the the, the, the reference point is Jacob Truba. Like, Jacob Truba was, dra- was traded on the Monday of the draft that year. He was not traded on the draft floor. Historically, most of these deals get made on the draft floor because, as Kevin Sheveldayoff and his other counterparts have often mentioned, um, you know, usually a deadline or a time-sensitive situation gets dealt with at a time-sensitive situation. There are always people that, you know, jump the queue and make their deals before the deadline. But in this case, the deadline kind of for the Jets, in order to at least cash in on what looks to be a high-end draft class, would be the NHL draft. Now, it's also possible, Huss, the one thing that we also need to take into consideration, yes, the Jets would like to add another draft pick in the first round probably or early second, in this draft, which is considered to be incredibly deep. It's also possible that most teams that are offering a package for any of those players that we've been discussing, maybe they're not interested in moving a first-round draft pick in this year. So unless the Jets are willing to go beyond July 1st, or maybe their target is a 2024 first-rounder, then we won't see everything happen all at once. But I cannot imagine the Jets go into July 1st without having clarity on where those players stand unless they don't get offers that move the needle. And if that happens, now you're into a situation where now the game of chicken or the staring contest becomes a little bit more dicey. But I know you've been talking about it with Jeff and and others. I I don't see the Jets going into the season with the idea that they would trade those players going into the trade deadline if necessary, unless they were holding out hope that they could sign one of those players by showing them and convincing them, hey, they made the playoffs last year. We're in a position to make the playoffs this year. Now do you want to sign on the dotted line? Maybe there's more clarity on the HRR and maybe the salary cap going up. We can offer you a bit more than we could have in the summer. But to me, we're going to have clarity, Huss, by the time the draft is over um, and probably the time before the draft begins. But that's you and I looking into the crystal ball, which remains quite cloudy (laughs) when it comes to this situation. If it were easy, it would get done easily. But to me, until you have a leverage situation, like right now the leverage is all with the players, Huss. Every piece of leverage with the players, they are under contract. They are under no obligation to make any decisions about their future unless they want to make those decisions uh, public or to the general manager or if they are looking for a change of address. And if they are clearly looking for a change of address or if if you're Kevin Cheveldayoff us and you are making sure that you want a change of address for those players, then your urgency level is on the rise. And... It's just hard to imagine a scenario. It's crazy to think that there's a scenario where all three of those guys are not back. But at the same time, I, it's also easier to envision that scenario now than it would have been 12 months ago for me. Oh, I, right. I, I mean, it's probably unlikely that all three of those guys, it's probably likely that all three of them will be moved for me. But, you know, now you're in now in order to improve, can you move all three and improve the roster? Now that's where it gets dicey. Like for and this season or big picture? Long term. Yeah. Long term. Can you get to a place where, and this is the other part too, that we talk about like last year when Treleving made the deal, us, almost everyone was thinking that the flames made out like bandits, but people need to look below the surface. I think the flames made a good deal for the flames, but the Panthers couldn't afford to pay Huberto and Uyghur more than what they paid Kachuk. And they weren't getting both of those players signed for what they gave Kachuk, even though Kachuk cashed in at $9.5 million. So 
it's not a one for one swap that you have to be thinking about here. It's about trying to set yourself up with the assets that will take you to a better place, both in the short term and in the long term. And let's be frank, it's going to be hard for Kevin Sheveldayoff to quote unquote win all three trades for your top two centers and your elite level Vesna caliber goaltender. You're probably not bringing back a 40 win goaltender, but you need to provide a level of goaltending that doesn't fall off a cliff for an organization that does not have a guy that's going to be jumping right back into a starting job here. So whether that's a Alexander Georgiev type of player um, from another organization, now that's part of the challenge, right? And does that player come in free agency? Does he come in a trade? I mean, these are all the, the Jets have always had factors in terms of trying to build a roster. I'm not sure they've had a bigger challenge in the offseason than what they have in front of themselves right now. And that's compounded by the fact they need to create some room on the blue line, Huss, in order to make room for guys uh, as it is in terms of trying to get upgrades. So I do think the blue line conversation, which dominated last summer, sort of taken a backseat right now. But well, it's it's only a brief backseat. Yes, it's it's still there. And in fact, it might be even more problematic just when it comes to now even more players coming through the moose that you don't want to lose for nothing um, are no longer waivers exempt. So uh, I, I would say this, and you know, it's June 1st right now. I think this is going to be the most interesting and in a lot of ways, maybe pivotal month that we've seen from a player personnel <clears throat> and move from like a management perspective yeah. really since this team got here 12 years ago. Yeah, bang on, Huss, and, and I, I couldn't agree more. You know, again, I people will say, oh, well, you thought that last year. Well, yeah, I did think that there would be seismic change beyond the bench uh, that moves that were being made last summer. They didn't happen, but now there's a new deadline. There are contracts expiring now, whereas last year it was, a, you know, I think an organizational decision that, well, what could this group do with a new voice? And now they've had they have their answer. And now they need to know if either people are going to commit or if you're going to commit to new people and what the, what the, you know, what the other domino effect for the players on the Jets roster is after those three trades are conceivably made. Now that could stretch the discussion into another area where, you know, I've been very resistant on in terms of the rebuild process rather than a, you know, a team that's still competitive. Uh, one of the biggest things that I think, Huss, I think the Jets need to become, I'm not saying abandoned skill, I think they need to become more of a blue-collar team. You obviously have to have skill to compete at this level. But to me, they need to take on the personality of the community again. You know, people will say 2015, the Jets got swept, they didn't have enough skill, all those things. It's accurate. But they got too far away from that, and now they got to kind of meet in the middle a little bit for me. That's That's where the Jets can become a team that uh, is still skilled, but also raises the competition level and the competitiveness level. And that will allow them to compete provided they have a stabilizing system in terms of, you know, willingness to check and have a goaltender that can play at a high level. I mean, this is the other thing we've only kind of known two things. We've only kind of known, you know, Andre Pavlik and you've only kind of known Connor Hellebuck, right? So, you got to find somewhere in the yang <laughs> a, a little bit, right? I mean, and, and you know, Pavlik played hard here. Like no one's oh, yeah. taking that I away from him, but man. he had a couple incredible runs, but overall, I mean, Hellebuck is just on an entirely different level and has in fact kind of spoiled us, right. spoiled the team for the last number of years with just how much of a rock that he's been. And I mean, you are right. I mean, if they do move on from Connor Hellebuck, 
I mean, to me, you can say you don't want to rebuild. You can say whatever you want publicly. If you're doing that, you basically, by definition, in some ways are rebuilding because you're losing your franchise player and the foundation for everything that you've done for the better part of this contending window, if you want to call it that, isn't there anymore. And that, to me, changes the equation pretty much from top to bottom. For sure, but it's similar to what we said about Verhage. There's probably a goalie out there who, in the right system and in the right environment, might be ready to spread his wings in a way that Connor Hellbuck was able to do here. Like we we watched, you know, during the one game in the Milwaukee series, Askarov is ready to play in the NHL. Yeah, he's good to go. Is he going to be playing behind UC Saros and only getting 25 starts next year, or is, or might the Predators consider a rebuild of their own? and be willing to hand the keys over to their first-round pick. I'm not saying that they are, and I'm not saying that they should. What I'm saying is I wonder if there is another situation like that around the league. I don't expect the Jets and Predators to be a you know a, a, a trade partner, if you will. But I do wonder about how many more of those under-the-radar goalies, in the, whether it's in the American League or you know anywhere else around, you know whether it's college or or a European league, or is there somebody knocking on the door that also can step in and, and do a job or, or a backup, you know, Linus Allmark, not a lot of people knew much about Linus Allmark before he went to the Boston Bruins, right? As a Buffalo Sabre, he was a pretty mediocre goalie and sometimes below average, but what he ended up doing was becoming a, you know, a Vesna trophy finalist and likely winner. So, or is there, who's the next Jeremy Swayman, the guy who's starting 35 games, 40 games, but is ready to start 55, you know, it's the crazy thing, like just tying it back together, you know. Maybe it's Jeremy Swayman. Well, there you go, restricted <laughs> free agent, and, and that exactly. I mean, that that's that's a possibility for sure. And and the other th- reason too, Huss. I mean, just to kind of tie it back to original discussion about the Stanley Cup final, like people are going to say, well, how is Vegas going to beat Bob? Well, Vegas has already knocked out Connor Hellebuck and Jake Ottinger. That would be how they beat Bob by using the same formula they used to knock out two of the top five goalies in the National Hockey League. Right, I think so pretty confident going into this one. <laughs> oh no, no, for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like we always think, oh, this guy's unhittable or he's unstoppable or you can't penetrate him. Well, you know, when you have a really good team, you find a way. You know, whether that's banking it off someone's behind or getting to the net or you know, sometimes it's going to be your fourth liner. But you know, like I said, it, it's a fascinating time on a lot of levels. Um, we know that there are people that want these decisions to have been made five weeks ago, Huss. I mean, this is the way it goes. It's always this is what we always remind people. Also, Huss, when we have or these discussions, <laughs> sure, two years ago, sure. But when a team is eliminated in the month of April, it is a heck of a long time before the next game gets played in and around October 10th. Okay, it gives us lots to talk about. There is time for these decisions to get made as big as they are as surprising as sometimes they may be but ultimately those decisions get made and then the beauty of it is the next season begins right so uh, I, I think it's a critical time like I said I could not agree with you more this next 12 months is not only gonna you know may not only define the direction the Jets go it could be the defining moments of Kevin Sheveldayoff's tenure as general manager, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Like this is probably the most critical one month or six week. If you want to, let's call it a five week span going through free agency. And we know the jets have not been a big ticket item um, on the free agent market, but the circumstances are changing. Huh? So when the circumstances change, sometimes your approach has to change. Right. So 
you know, and we you know uh, this is not a time to, to, you know, this is not a pat your back situation, but Ivan Barbashev seems to be, have put himself in a pretty good position going into free agency on July 1st. I mean, just saying. He, 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 he definitely will. The Gus bus and the Barb bus. Yeah. Two buses <laughs> that has been driven by our friend Ken Weep. And hey, just to wrap it up, you mentioned, you know, the Panthers and Knights are going to be going at it and the champions are going to have to find a way. Um, it's pretty clear that with a lot of challenges, Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to need to find a way to navigate through this month initially and then the rest of the offseason. And uh, there's lots to do and lots for us to talk about. We're looking forward to uh, getting together with you guys up. Oh, by the way, by the way, just before we go, <laughs> we we took a trip down memory lane earlier in the program. Yeah, Remo, if you want to bring this up, did, what did you think when you saw this, Ken? Did you look at this photo and go, good God, the uh, the lid. At what point did you decide just to go to the wood? Because <laughs> you have quite yeah. the hair there. And by the way, freezer, just absolutely majestic right beside you as yeah. well. That was a fun day, May 31st, no doubt. Uh, the wood, the hair got a little thinner each and every year, Huss, and my, uh, my stylist, Michelle, uh, had been urging me to go to the wood for probably – three years before I finally made the commitment. And, you know, the Oster 67 was a, was a great, uh, let's say it was a great COVID pandemic purchase. Um, <laughs> loud and proud. Uh, shout out to the, you know, whatever, the the bald hair club, I guess. I should have embraced it earlier, I guess, Huss. Hey, but, well, I mean, that was a crazy day. And the, uh, one last qu- thing on that front. It was an all-timer. And one of the things I always will always remember, uh, these are the days at Post Media where we were always forced to like shoot videos on the side. So Paul Turen was there with me, along with Freezer and I. And we cornered David Thompson as he was walking down the thing. And we got this like four to five minute interview with David Thompson on our on our like little handheld camera. And it was like, it's the only time I've talked to him in the 12 years. But he told this great story about his how he got how he fell in love with hockey. And it was just uh, it was quite a quite a scene. And uh, it's crazy, like to think of the differences from, you know, even just think that first year, you know, down to the military base and the, you know, the unveilings and all these things. And uh, it was it was an interesting time for sure, and like, I know that there's a lot of people wondering about the you know what the direction is going to be, but in terms of perspective, it's a pretty neat to remember the announcement um, and you know the start of the picture and the start of the puzzle. And I, I get it; people are pissed off. Vegas is going to the Cup final for the second time in six years. There are 31 markets that are like, "What is up with these guys?" But uh, you know. Bill Foley has, you know, opened up the wallet and there have been some aggressive moves made and they've built themselves a nice market. And I, I still contend that Winnipeg is an excellent hockey market. There's tons of passion in this community for the team that plays here, for the Jets. I think that um, it's an interesting time for the organization, but at the end of the day, I think that it's going to be interesting to go forward, but I, I don't see the Jets just kind of waving a white flag and saying, you know, this whole, oh, they're just happy to be here mentality. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, I think they need to make some adjustments for sure. They're going to need to upgrade the roster and change the complexion, but I think there's a lot of good pieces on that roster and a lot of good people there. Uh, and I think that they're, you know, at some point there are going to be brighter days ahead for the organization. And, you know, a lot of that comes in the next couple of weeks in terms of the decisions they're going to have to make. Some of them they won't want to make, but that's part of the deal too. And when, when the team resides here, so 
I think it's a fascinating time and uh, look forward to documenting all of that history, Huss. I mean, it, it, it literally is a privilege to have the opportunity to do so, to talk about it, to write about it, to discuss it on YouTube, on television, all those things. And yeah, like for right now, folks, keep your ear to the ground, but enjoy what should be an awesome Stanley Cup final. I mean, it's a fun time of year here. Bombers home opener is a week away at the Huss. I'm probably going to see you at the preseason game. going to go with a few buddies from Altona and Love it. do a little scouting. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun sports weekend on the horizon. Well, Kenny, I'll uh, see you at the game tomorrow. Have a good round. Great that we got you in on Thursday. And uh, as I say, a couple of weeks of a chatting about the final, what we see, and then of course a huge week for the Winnipeg Jets and all of us down in Nashville at the end of the month. Uh, have a great one. Hit them straight tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you maybe around the north end around half time. <laughs> Sounds good, my friend. Great to talk to you and uh, have a great weekend ahead here. Cheers, you, man. Thanks so much. All right, there is Ken Weeb. Um, of course, tomorrow, preseason action for the Bombers. Princess Auto tailgate party number one. Not quite the regular season, but <laughs> doesn't mean when it's 32 degrees and gorgeous out that it won't be a great time before the game outside IG Field at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. If you're going to the game, get there early, show up, and enjoy all the great deals pregame at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. And, of course, shout out to Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Visit them at either Panet Road or Portage Avenue West locations, and you can shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Uh, tomorrow on the Marble Race, speaking of that Bomber home opener, thanks to our guy Joe at Consolidated Supply, we're going to have a pair of tickets to give away for the Bomber home opener in the Marble Race, so make sure to join us tomorrow for that. Of course, Consolidated Supply, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. Also have other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And of course, they are the leader in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at the showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find Consolidated Supply online at cte.ca. And by the way, shout out to Winnipeg Walter. Because Walter, of course, was the winner of the Consolidated Supply Marbles Tournament of Champions that we ran all month in December. And uh, Walter, I don't think, can go to the game tomorrow night. So he's fired us the tickets. And we're going to give those away in just a couple minutes with a wheel of winners. So pay attention to the chat. You'll see a prompt from Remus when it is applicable with the instructions to get in. Um, and we spent a lot of time earlier this week talking about the Sea Bears. Just got a note from uh, Greg over at Royal that the Sea Bears gear is in. Um, we've got all sorts of hats. We got the uh, the white man. These are great. New Era did them all, as you can see this video. If you're with us right now, uh, all just came in right now. So if you're at the first game and saw that there were 300 people ahead of you in line and didn't want to wait. Get on down to Royal right now. Sea uh, Bears lids have just arrived at Royal Sports. Of course, follow them on Instagram as well. This is a great spot to find the latest merchandise drops and sale information from Royal Sports. Of course, big tent sale coming up as well. In a couple weeks, we'll fill you in on that. But uh, Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Uh, great selection of bomber gear as well if you need to up your uh, wardrobe in blue and gold before the opening of the season. Uh, that Instagram account again for Royal is at Royal Sports Pemina. We finally got uh, some action tonight. I know there's been some baseball days have just won in the afternoon, but
But tonight we got the NBA Finals tonight. Uh, we will hit the cool bet lines and let you know what that number is in a minute. Uh, then Denver Nuggets taking on the hosting the Miami Heat tonight. But if you're looking for a great spot to get out, maybe have some world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and an ice-cold schooner or two, get by your local Boston pizza. And, of course, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, stay tuned. Uh, check the, the um, um, chat because Remus is going to open up your uh, ability to registration. Just get in if you're able to the go to the game tomorrow night because we've got a pair. Thanks again to Winnipeg Walter for making those available. We'll give those out. But first, we're going to do a quick check-in with our pal Andrew Collier, GM of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Gold Eyes on the road right now, finishing up a very successful first homestand and looking forward to getting back home to Shaw Park next week. Ash, what's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. And, uh, man, I got to say, what a hell of a start to the season for the home portion of the schedule. I mean, it's still gorgeous outside right now, but we're now 1st of June. Can we successfully look back at this May and say it might be weather-wise the best start to a season in Goldeye's history? Uh, if there was a better one, I can't remember. It was spectacular. We we had nine home games in 10 days, and there was the threat of rain uh, one night. I think it was the Saturday night or the Friday night. I can't remember. It, it poured in the west side of the city, but downtown we got some sprinkles and that's about it so yeah we've been very fortunate uh what a great start i mean you know when we talked with greg last week i mean the team on the field came back at two and four i believe won all three series left above 500 um but as far as the bottom line goes and getting people back in the park i mean an amazing opening night and uh overall when you add in that weather i mean about as great of a first nine games with a new manager and a new season you could have imagined yeah, it's gone really well with the weather going six and three at home. That opening night, you were there. That was that was a great night, a lot of fun. Uh, too bad the fireworks went off while well, it was still daylight out, but that's the uh, pitch clock era. We may uh, we may need to start looking at what we're going to do down the road. Um, but I'm okay with two hour and thirty minute games. That's that's just fine with me. What, what what's the, been the feedback from you know your longtime season ticket holders and fans about that? I mean, listen, I, I this is the same way when I was at the Jays game and at the games this week. It it almost takes you aback at how quick and how fast paced the game is, and that's not something that you know, frankly, has been connected with baseball for a long time. I mean, it, it fundamentally changes the uh, the experience. It does. It it really moves along, and if you're not looking at the clock, you don't notice that it's there you just notice that that the batters aren't stepping out of the box and fixing their gloves and the pitchers aren't aren't going to the rosmeg and walking around the mound they they get the ball throw the ball and just keep the game moving and i think that's what fans of mlb and baseball everywhere have been asking for they're tired of the three and a half four hour games that like you could have a two-one game that was four hours long it was just it was getting ridiculous so uh, it's been good. We had a uh, two-hour and ten-minute game on our school day game, so the kids were all waiting around for the buses because the buses were scheduled to arrive a bit later. So we had two or three or four sections full of kids just waiting for their bus because that game just buzzed along at two ten. You know, um, it, it is. I, I think it's overall been uh, really well received by everyone. Um, 
What about the players, though? Um, you've got a new manager, so I was going to ask, you know, how things went for Greg and, you know, early on. But specifically to the rule changes, I mean, have you had much feedback from uh, from the players and the, the managers? And uh, are they as keen on it as um, the majority of fans are? I think the majority of players and, and managers are in favor. The one comment I've heard is the pitch clock is a little uh, pitcher-friendly, um, meaning the batter has to be in the box ready to go with eight seconds to go, whereas the pitcher has 15 seconds to throw the ball. So it's it's almost slightly weighted towards the pitcher. Um so I don't know if MLB will look at maybe moving that eight seconds to six seconds. That's way above my pay grade. And we'll probably follow what MLB does at the end of this year. I'm sure they will tweak some things um, with input from their players and their managers at the end of the year. But overall, I like it. I think it's been great. Uh, Andrew, team's on the road right now before coming back next week. We'll get to the homestand in a second, but uh you know, a couple tough losses, but uh, very different ball games against uh, Chicago over the last couple of days. Yeah, Chicago's a really good team. They they can pitch and and they can hit. They've got probably the best player in the league right now, Josh Altman. He's hitting the hit, hitting the crap out of the ball right now. And and that game on on Tuesday in Chicago, we hit five home runs and lost twelve eight or fourteen eight or whatever it was, but. We've got some guys that can hit it out of the ballpark, too. I think a lot of people were concerned with a great Tagger team. All you're going to see was small ball. Well, Max Murphy's come alive. He has four home runs now. Uh, Gonzalez, our catcher, has five. Bockley has three. We have 16 as a team. I think I think this team will will hit its its fair share of home runs, but still play that, that small ball that, that Greg is, is known for. Speaking of Greg, I mean, uh, what was it like, uh, you know, going through the homestand for the first time with the new manager? Of course, the team started on the road. I mean, it's been Rick here forever. Uh, we've got great conversations. Now we were excited to see Greg back here at uh, the helm. But uh, now that you've got through it, uh, how did it go for him and the organization with the new guy calling the shots? It was good. He uh, he actually sent me a – I hope he's okay with me sharing this, but he sent me a note after opening night, and he says nobody does opening night like Winnipeg. He He's thought that before when he was on the other side and to see it from this side, he was really impressed with how everything went with the flag on the field um, in the pregame and the anthems and just the way everything was done. He was impressed and that was a, a, a nice compliment to get from somebody who's been in the game a long time. Yeah, knows this league uh, as well as Eddie. Um, team will finish this roadie on the weekend and then come back and start another homestand next week. Fingers crossed we can keep this stretch of weather rolling. Uh, what can fans look forward to next week when the fish are back at home? Yeah, next week's a bit of an interesting schedule. We're back playing Chicago again. Uh, Tuesday's regular 6.30 start. Wednesday is an 11 a.m. Uh, school game again. Business person special. Uh, there's over 6,000 tickets sold for that. There's not a whole lot of tickets left. So if you're thinking about taking the afternoon off or taking an extended lunch. You should grab one of those last remaining tickets for Wednesday at 11. Uh, and then Thursday, we're back to a 6.30 start. Friday, 6.30. Um, June 10th is our fireworks night, um, Métis night, where Carrie Anderson will be throwing out the opening pitch. That'll be fun. And then, uh, yeah, 
wrap it up on Sunday. Carrie, the queen of the pebbled ice, throwing out. We're going to see what sort of smoke Carrie's got for the catcher that day. Uh, of course, you know, she's very involved and sponsored by the uh, Manitoba Métis Federation and a proud member of the community. So uh, you uh, you hit a homer with uh, your uh, your special guest for uh, for that night. And, of course, uh, fireworks are great. We just got to hope. Although I'm a guy that likes the longer days right now and not getting dark too early. Um but yes, that that will be a challenge as this pitch clock here goes by with, uh, you know, uh, listen, Archangel does such a great job. We'll be able to see the fireworks, no problem. But it is a little different when it is that light out and probably will be for about the next month at the end of games. It will. Yeah, like I said, we may have to look at our uh, fireworks game times if, if this keeps going along, but that'll be a, a discussion for the offseason. I'm really looking forward to seeing... Uh, what Carrie does with that opening pitch. I've never met her, but I've watched her curl a lot, but she looks like a, a competitor, so I'm sure she's uh, she's going to bring me. She is a gamer. I don't think that there's any doubt that she'll be trying to smoke on right down the middle of the plate. So that is Saturday, June 10th. That's the next uh, feature promo game, AT Night Fireworks, on the Saturday. Uh, but the team will be back all next week, and if you haven't got out to the ballpark yet this year, what the heck are you waiting for? I have putting I, we were we put together quite a collection of food photos just from the first homestand right now, Andrew. I'm gonna have uh, we could do basically a slideshow on the website by uh, probably about mid July with everything in the ballpark. We haven't knocked it all down yet, and I am recruiting a crew to take on the Grand Slam, which at a future game that will not be done as a solo mission. I'm kind of disappointed to hear that. I was I was kind of looking forward to coming down to Craft Beer Corner, <laughs> you sitting there with a pint and and the sandwich in front of you, and you taking it down by yourself. But it's just unrealistic. I I mean, I'm a notoriously slow eater. I mean, with these with the pitch clock and everything like that, that could take me a whole homestand. To be honest with you, but I was checking it out, Goldie's Grill, folks. If you're uh, if you want to check that out the next time you're uh, you're down at the ballpark. Uh, Andrew, good luck on the uh, roadie, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back at Shaw Park next week when the fish return home. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff with uh, our pal Andrew Collier at the Gold Eyes. Looking forward to getting out to the ballpark again next week. Check out goldeyes.com for uh, more information on tickets and upcoming events. Uh, if you want to go to the game tomorrow night, Last call, put in exclamation mark tickets. We'll be spinning the wheel, and uh, we'll get somebody hooked up with that pair of tickets. Uh, we've got some big bomber news, actually, that's just sort of breaking right now. Uh, got to give a shout-out to our friends at Breezy Bend for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got the memorial underway on the PGA Tour this week. And big other golf news, Matthew Wolf is off of Smash GC, Brooks Kepka's team in live. He's now a free agent. Well, See if anyone really cares about that and what the uh, the solution to uh, Matt Wolf's next move in the Live Tour is. Of course, our golf reports are brought to you by Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs, championship course, amazing practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around. Uh, amazing men's, ladies, and junior programs. Give Corey Johnson a call or find out more at breezybend.ca about getting on the waiting list and making Breezy your long-term golfing home beginning next year. Um, we do have some bomber news, as I mentioned. I guess the big bomber news from a fan's perspective was the uh, news from Little Brown Jug 
that 1919 is now available at IG Field. Yeah, Little Brown Jugs teamed up with the Bombers. They are an official partner of the Blue and Gold, a multi-year deal. And uh, for all of you that wanted some better, well, the best local beers around, your wishes have been granted. Uh, you can pick up 1919 at the games beginning tomorrow. And by the way, if you head on over to the Little Brown Jug Instagram right now, they've got a contest to uh, win tickets and a nice little package for uh, the game tomorrow night. So you still got some time to enter with that. But again, we've got a pair of tickets as well. We're giving away right now exclamation mark tickets in chat. Now, speaking of the Blue Bombers, as we bring Remus back in here, the Bombers have just issued a statement regarding Kenny Lawler. And here it is. The Bombers today announced that Kenny Lawler has been transferred to the suspended list pending resolution of matters related to his 2021 off-field incident. Of course, a DUI that happened here in Winnipeg. We will provide further update once the situation resolves, which we expect to occur in three to four weeks from now. So, as I said, this is just kind of we're reacting to this live. Uh, I wasn't aware that this was still pending or needed to be wrapped up. Um, we knew that he was suspended for a game when it happened. Um, this is not a great bit of news heading into the upcoming season, considering um, the excitement that Kenny Lawler brought coming back to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But obviously, there's still some things that need to get happen, need to happen, or get cleared up before he takes the field once again as a member of the Blue and Gold. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. This is the first we're hearing, but you would think that maybe something would have come up. Um... When he was signed, uh, or short trade to the signed with the Bombers after being cut, um, seems I thought we, I think everyone was under the impression this had already been dealt with. I don't know what the situation is that it would be three to four weeks that he can't play, but I'm sure it'll get resolved. And look, we've talked all off season how the Bombers receiving group is extremely stacked. So, like I'm. You know, if you're projecting like Zach Colorado's yards for the season, like I wouldn't, don't think you would change it or anything. But um, this is an interesting development coming mm -hmm. at uh, three o'clock. I don't know if the Bombers, bomb, would have been nice if the Bombers could have done that at what, like eleven a.m. before the show. <laughs> well, no, like right at the end. Come on, Bombers. You know, they know when I, when we're on here. You know, I and again, I, I'm not I, sure I how much I, information I, the team will be coming out with. Ed Tate is going to join us tomorrow. Um, but to be honest, from the sounds of this statement, this is pretty clear. Just uh, no news on Kenny Lawler for the next three to four weeks, so don't ask. And he won't be playing in the home opener against the Ticats. Yeah. I, I, why would this take three to four weeks for something that happened two years ago? I don't understand. I, don't, I clearly don't understand uh, the legal system or what's going on or what needs to happen. This is a very unclear statement. All we know is... Uh, there's stuff going on. He won't be available for three or four weeks. All, uh, all right. So, uh, well, yeah, that, well, I'll be, uh, I'll be making a call to the hammer. He'll be all over this. I'm sure the free press, Ted and the gang at the Winnipeg sun will have some more information on this and we'll certainly talk about it tomorrow on the program. And of course, also get ready for that preseason game. All right. So last call for exclamation mark tickets. Yeah. If you're able to go to the game, uh, let's get over to the cool bet lines and, if you missed the start of the show, folks, um, 
very exciting month for us. And again, just have to give a huge thanks to Pat and the Cool Bet team for their incredible support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Winnipeg Sports Talk will be live in Nashville beginning on Monday of draft week through the week and through the end of the draft presented by our great sponsors over at CoolBet. Um, so we'll have some more draft content. We'll be talking a lot about everything surrounding the Winnipeg Jets and, of course, the first round on that Wednesday over the course of the next few weeks before we get to Music City and begin broadcasting on Tuesday, June 26th, powered by the CoolBet gang. Uh, we do have playoff action tonight in the NBA and the Nuggets are big favorites in this series, huge favorites to win this game tonight at minus 337. The spread in the game is nine. And uh, Dusty and I cooked up a couple of exclusives, actually. If you click on the Lockshop Partner Parlay, we've got two options. One is for the series, NBA and NHL final. We've got the Nuggets minus two and a half. So the Nuggets to win this series in four or five. And the Cup final to go over five and a half games. That is up right now at CoolBet at plus 285. We've also put one together with our picks. We did the show today. We were both on the same sides. So why not get an exclusive and get a bit better number for it? Game one, we've got the Nuggets tonight, minus eight and a half, parlayed with the Vegas Golden Knights to win game one. That's boosted up to plus 250. If you want to get in on that, you'll have to get in on it before tip-off tonight for game one of the NBA Finals. There are some other NBA exclusives as well. Uh, Jokic, 20-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, 10-plus assists, and a Denver Nuggets win, essentially a triple-double, including 20 or more. I don't mind that one, plus 150. Whoa, Canada, Jamal Murray to record 25-plus, and the Nuggets to cover 8.5. Another one on Jimmy Butler, and uh, a three-pointer prop for Michael Porter Jr. and Caleb Martin. So it's all there for you in the exclusive section. CFL props are there. Uh, I will admit, when I heard the Kenny Lawler news, I immediately went to the receiving props to see if his number was still up to bet the under. It, unfortunately, is off the board. Everything else is up, though, for the upcoming season for the CFL. All there, French Open, men's and women's, uh, and, of course, props for the Cup Final as well. All there at Cool Bet, our uh, partner from day one, and uh, powering our draft coverage from Nashville at the end of the month. Um, all right, Reem, before we're done, let's uh, give away these tickets. Uh, shout out to everyone that entered trying to win a pair to the game. I'm going to be there tomorrow night. Really looking forward to the game. We heard Ken's going to be there. and It's just going to be a party, I think, tomorrow night. Great to get back to the stadium. It's going to be sunny and 32 tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Uh, so we'll be able to enjoy a couple 1919s for the first time. See uh, the Bombers. number of the top players in the Bombers won't be playing tomorrow, including Zach Caleros, Dalton Schoen, Adam Big Hill, Brady Oliveira, well, and obviously now Kenny Lawler as well. But uh, let's fire up this wheel, the, the wheel of winners, courtesy of Winnipeg Walter, who won the Consolidated Supply Marbles Tournament of Champions. Ream. Sure, I'll add it in in a second. One sec. Um, I was going to say, do you think since we've started this show, like the number of 3.05 p.m. press releases by like the Bombers and the Jets have increased? Because didn't Dubois like RFA one year contract come out at like 3.10 p.m. Like when he assigned the when he signed the um, qualifying, like, the qualifying offer. offer or he accepted it? 
Wasn't that three oh five p.m. on like a Friday? Am I wrong? Uh, it it, it, see, I it, look, it definitely I, was right after we got off the air one day for sure. I gotta check that. So the bomber is putting this out. I know Dar everyone in the chat saying I, I Darren didn't give me the heads up, but he's doing a bonfire with Walby in an hour. So that'll oh, be at, that'll be at his his channel. We'll talk about this. There's some other actually NHL news. People in the chat were saying as I get this wheel of winners ready. Uh, Patrick Kane had a hip procedure. He's going to be out four to six months, and he's a free agent. So you wonder, um, you know, what he's going to sign for and when he'll be able to come back to help he's a team. He's got lots of cash. I think he probably just chills, gets better, starts working on it, and then, you know, kind of sees the landscape of the National Hockey League and go signs a deal at that point. I, I would imagine. I think that any team that's going to be signing Patrick Kane going to probably want a little more clarity as to rehab and whatnot as opposed to putting up money right now for a guy that might be out the next half year yeah i'll probably sit around do you think that like his hip you know he'll sign his contract like november but his hip will make him ready to play like the day after the playoffs start <laughs> i doubt it you don't think, i doubt it <laughs> you think you think he'll get some regular season games in i don't know well it's four to six months so June, July, August, September. He technically could be ready for the start. What if camp. there's complications and and well, uh, contract complications, salary cap complications, or complications of the injury? Two very like he can't. It doesn't heal as expected, and you know he signs a contract like, oh no, he's not ready to come back, but he's ready for day one of the playoffs. <laughs> smokes we went long today it was a long segment with weber though but uh well people were it. like yelling at me in the chat to start playing the the oscar theme to play them off <laughs> start no way you're like ken good you're like ken some quick that well you were pretty much done then he started talking about the jets for like 20 minutes which was actually great content but then you're like ken look at this uh old picture isn't that awesome <laughs> oh, remember God, that okay. and then i mean it was great and that was you know what maybe we don't you know 12 years, we don't look back on how crazy a time it was, like um, the news leading up. But I just, I did watch that report that I tweeted from Winnipeg Sports Talk that Sean Reynolds did. And, you know, you hear Mark Chipman say, oh, Winnipeg beat out Houston and, you know, other teams who may have been interested. Like, they were re very ready for this to happen and to swoop in there and bring the Jets basically as overnight as you could. And they had what the, you know, the, Ken mentioned the jersey unveiling. I was there for that where they came out of the plane and how quickly they had to put the jersey together. You know, normally, I think that's like a, a year and a half thing. They did it in like a month or two months, whatever. So uh, the whole thing was, was pretty well done, and the fans stepped up and, and bought all the tickets. And here you are again, uh, 12 years later, Hess, with uh, you know, the new season ticket drive. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's been a great 12 years, and hopefully here's to dozens and dozens more of uh, NHL hockey here in the city. Uh, our focus, of course, in the meantime, is going to be on uh, – the roster and what happens to uh, mm -hmm. some guys that, you know, we've all enjoyed watching here for a long time or some longer than others that may or may not be uh, more likely than not probably being members of this club next year. That's a big reason why we're going to be uh, heading down to Nashville and make that uh, and make uh, make it all happen. Um, so, yeah, let's do this. Um, a 30 for 30 on bringing the Jets back to Winnipeg actually would be great. Um, and I'll be honest, I think that if there was a market that was suitable, that was ready to go, like Mark Chipman had built here in Winnipeg with True North, the ability to basically have a turnkey operation, I'm not sure that the Coyotes wouldn't be somewhere else right now. Um, but that'll be a story that'll kind of take on a 
life of its own throughout this year, I am uh, sure. All right, here's everyone that's in the list. Thanks to entering. If you win, folks, what you're going to need to do is fire us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com right afterwards, and we'll transfer you the tickets. Pretty simple. A Thursday uh, wheel of winners. There will be one winner, and that winner will get a couple tickets to the game tomorrow night. Shout out to Winnipeg Walter. Guess if Walter can't make the games this any games this year, we'll be doing this as he uh, pays it forward to everyone in the chat that was not the winner of the first tournament of champions. Uh, give her a spin, Remo, for the first time for bomber season this year. Yeah, he said he said he's going out of town this weekend. So shout out to Winnipeg Walter for helping us out, and shout out to those who who entered. Anyways, a great and worthy champion, Winnipeg Walter, yeah. without a doubt. Here we go. Here we are. RWTV Retro Winnipeg. What up, Retro? Love Retro's feed, actually. Great stuff. Some great little nuggets on the way to. There's Winnipeg Walter. Share the wealth. And Walter is sharing the wealth with RWTV Retro Winnipeg. Retro Winnipeg, hit us up. Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. We'll send you those tickets and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Um, yeah, and I see someone in chat saying that uh, someone on YouTube is saying that the Jets are moving to the Heritage jerseys full-time next year. Uh, I've heard many rumors of that. Certainly, there's nothing has been confirmed as of yet, um, but I think that would be another thing that would be a very popular move. It's nothing against the uh, old jerseys, but I think we all agree that those Heritage jerseys are, frankly, right up there with the best unis in the entire National Hockey League, and the more, the better for that look. Um Thanks to Andrew Collier. Thanks to Gary Lawless. Thanks to Ken Weeb for joining us today. <clears throat> and again, thanks to all of our sponsors, especially the gang at CoolBet for presenting our draft shows June 26th, beginning in Nashville. Going to be a real fun month, gang. Join us tomorrow. We'll have the latest on this Kenny Lawler story with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Rowicki was going to join us. We'll also have Ed Tate. We'll get ready for the cup final with uh, Zeiss, Mike Zeisberger. Um, as well as see what the fallout in the big smoke is about Trelevings hiring and, of course, Dubas going to Pittsburgh. All that tomorrow. And, of course, another marble race where, thanks to Joe Consolidated Supply, we'll also have a pair of tickets for the Bomber Home Opener a week tomorrow. So join us then. Tell a friend about WST. Thanks for being with us and enjoy the beautiful weather. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.